note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. Imagine the scene. You're driving through central Wales. You're with your girl. And your longtime best friend is in the back seat. Again, it's Wales. The rain is hammering down at the car. You can barely see an inch in front of you. The wind is howling. And the night has set in so quickly, it feels like the whole world consists of just you and your friends. Outside, there's just darkness and rain. And your stupid friend won't stop singing and making <laughs> dumb jokes. And you're getting concerned and stressed and frustrated. And you, and the rain batters the car more and more and more. And it feels like the windscreen wipers don't, don't even help. The wind howls suddenly and throws the car off track and you struggle to keep it going forward. Suddenly the very ground below you starts to shake and with a rumble a huge flow of mud comes pouring off the nearby mountains blocking the road ahead. Thankfully there's a small light coming from the house down the dirt road. You hate to have to bring strangers into this into your situation and who knows what they're going to be like or or what their reaction will be of, of you knocking in their house at so late at night but it's your only chance for some for some relief from the storm. You trundle down the dirt track, only to see, see a little bit of salvation. The, the house rises from the fens and, and right there you can see two friendly faces. Yes, this is Adjust Your Tracking, a podcaster on adventure to watch a century of cinema, decade by decade, year by year, and I'm one half your host, Lena Delaney. And with me is... Hello, I'm Ollie Jones. I tell you what though, if people did turn up to our house, it'd be a lot more fun. There'd be beer pong, fun. standard beer pong. Not that we've played beer pong in about ten years. Uh, or uh, rock band, guitar hero, maybe. Again, Not we haven't we played, played that, that in, in ten years. 10 years. <laughs> there'll be okay. There'll be an old console plugged into a CRT okay, somewhere yeah, that, for some reason. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There'll be a rolling film somewhere, some rolling yeah. films, and me blabbering on, boring everyone. There'll definitely be well. YouTube videos of unboxing miniature. Um, <laughs> uh, what's it, what was it you called it again? Grocery, like what, mini, mini brands. brands. Mini brands, the world's worst commodity <laughs> that's ever been invented. If anyone doesn't know what they are, basically, you'll go to like Asda or Sainsbury's or whatever, and they'll sell toy versions of the foods they sell, like in little mini, like, are they like blind bags? So you don't know what you're I getting. I haven't bought any. Yeah, I think so. They're like, uh, yeah, like mystery boxes. Yeah. So you can make it's your like, own little <laughs> they're loot supermarket. Boxes, but real yeah. Life. Uh, it's the worst. And it just—it's like a—you—you, you, I don't know. Spend like seven quid on a little kind of package, and then you open it up, and it's like a mini shampoo bottle. Head and shoulders. Then you're like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> my life Got is that. so complete. Now I have this mini heads and shoulders but don't worry the one next to it is like yes there's some umbongo and there's there's like a conetto <laughs> oh and some deodorant as well oh. but yeah our house parties would definitely be more fun than the dark house i i completely disagree i think this house <laughs> is a riot i think it's a fun time for everyone involved <laughs> how you doing anyway this week uh yeah i'm good i um it's it's Christmas. Hello, it's Ollie from the future, about six to seven months to be precise. Because I'm a terrible human being, it's taken me that long to get around to editing this episode. Um, 
at this point in the conversation, we started to talk about Christmas because it was gearing up to Christmas. And then we started to talk about Nightmare Before Christmas, Henry Selick, James and the Giant Peach, and eventually led on to Wendell and the Wild, which I then cut out and put into our Christmas episode just in case there's any confusion. We also talk about the trailers for a bunch of up-and-coming films which have actually all been released now or about to be released in the summer season. So yeah, sorry it's not a very timely episode. But anyway, back to past Lena and Ollie. Speaking of Henry Selick, have you seen his new film, Wendell and... I haven't yet. I'm actually waiting to watch it because they're doing Selick on Blackjack so I'm watching him in order. So I'm just going to watch it for new at the end of, right. of when, when I get there. When I get there. Because the stop motion community is quite small. I know a lot of people who've worked on it. And um, so I've been, they've all been popping up on various animation podcasts and whatever, talking oh, yeah. about their experience working on it. Sounds quite interesting. I haven't, haven't got around to it myself yet. Cause, and uh, is, is Pinocchio out now or is it? No. No, is that I not out I don't think it yet? is out yet. It's definitely that's, out some point. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it, that's another Netflix joint as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I is am it looking part of his to that. cabinet of curiosities or whatever it's called? Or is it just uh, a separate? No, I think it's like a, compul- a complete feature, like stop motion feature film. Did you watch any of that, A Cabinet of Curiosities? I haven't watched any yet, no. I watched the first two. Um, th- and they're okay. I mean, in terms of production value, they look fantastic. You know, they look like, they genuinely look like feature films. They don't look like a TV show or cool. They, they, they feel like, they're only like a 45 minutes long each, I think. But um, they do look very nice. But I think sometimes forty-five minute things can sometimes feel a bit like they're a bit too they're a bit too long to feel like a short and you kind of you want a bit more from it once it gets to the end, I don't know, sometimes. Okay, okay. But um But it does it does feel a bit like Tales from the Crypt, but a bit more Lovecraftian kind of version of that kind of thing. It's definitely something I'd be in I'm kind of interested in watching, but I just I never get around to watching series. I just never do. Well, series I want to watch. Are I think like last last thing I ever see. I want to watch the last episode because that's directed by is it Panos? I've forgotten his surname, but it's the guy the guy directed Mandy. So I'm looking forward to oh, watching yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. But have you been watching anything this week? Have I been watching anything? Um. Hmm. Hmm. Um. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. I hadn't thought about it in the slightest. Get your letterbox up. Get there you go. I can tell you up. what you've been watching. <laughs> I've been watching stuff that's not too interesting to talk about. I'm trying to think if there's anything. You've watched National Treasure. <laughs> yeah. You've watched, awesome you've watched Nosferand- Nosferatu. I'm guessing that's the... Um, that's the Werner. The Werner joint. Someone. You've watched City Lights. It did. It the good. Maltese Falcon. It did. It was very Armageddon good. Time. Oh yeah, Armageddon Time is a new movie. I was trying to think of new ones I'd watch to talk about. That is a new movie. Why did you um, wa- rewatch Paul? Paul is one of the worst films. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a terrible. Don't film. judge me for my watching habit. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wa- what I've been watching is um, uh, what's what's his face? No, about Noah Baumbach movie. No Baumbach. Yeah, I'm I'm preparing for White Noise, which I think is out like now. Right. I, I, that again, another Netflix thing. When I never quite know when Netflix stuff is dropping or if it's getting a cinema release or what. Um, 
but that's what I was like I've definitely got a few to watch that I've never seen before so I'll catch up on it and I loved Why We Were Young that's one I'd never seen before I never even actually heard anyone talk about it either um it's brilliant and Ben I love Ben Stiller in it Ben Stiller's a odd odd egg <laughs> he's done some fantastic films and he's done some absolute like garbage yeah yeah I agree and like and his directorial he, he barely seems to work now the only thing person he seems to work with is Noah Baumbach but he hasn't well, done he, one of his movies in ages didn't he direct that series that's on Apple and it looks really good and it's severed no not is it severance severed severance, no, severance. Ah. That's really that, looks... good. that is really good. I love it. Yeah. And he did that he... show, I think. I'm pretty uh, sure he cool. did. He's definitely an interesting, weird guy. I do really like him. I think his kind of popularity kind of peaked at the time where I was really getting into movies. So, like, he just seemed like he was, like, everywhere. And he just seemed like he was, like, the biggest actor. He never, ever was. But, like, my weird sheltered view he felt like much bigger deal than I think he actually I d- was. So. I think he was and pretty big. I mean, he had all those night night at the whatever museum movies. Yeah, and, and, I know, yeah. And uh, like, works with Adam Sandler and like, stuff like Dodgeball with and things like that. It just seems to be like he was everywhere, and especially with Zoolander as well. It just seems like he was huge at one point. But ne- like, yeah. but it's just not... It's it's like he's failed to ever make very interesting stuff. <laughs> That's well, I remember thing. I w- I was actually really interested to see his Walter Mitty, but then I watched it and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. Although but he like, did direct the Cable Guy, and I absolutely adore the Cable. Well, that's guy. what I'm thinking. Yeah, Cable Bible. I wish he did a bit more stuff like that. But his yeah. stuff with um, I love I I love um Greenberg. Um, that was that was good. Yeah, I I really liked the Meyerowitz stories as well mm-hmm. and uh and i really loved why we were young i thought why we were young just hit all loads of different like themes and and stuff that i really enjoy and adam driver is wonderful in it like absolutely absolutely wonderful um and i just really recommend uh while we we're young that was a really I'm su- good watch i'm surprised ben stiller hasn't worked with wes anderson since um um what you call it uh royal tenenbaums yeah Actually, he didn't seem like he got he got into the club. Yeah, it's like Ben, like uh, Owen Wilson invited him in to play for like a film. For a film, they have you ever seen any of? Ages. Have you ever watched any of Noah Baumbach's? Like, is it Kicking and Screaming? His very first film. Yeah, I watched Kicking and Screaming. How is if it? If you scroll, if you scroll down my my letterboxed, you'll find out that I did a double bill of Kicking and Screaming and Kicking and Screaming. <laughs> what? 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 A double bill, <laughs> a double bill of kicking and screaming, what? starring. Oh, <laughs> I mean, made by No Bamback. I forgot and about that film. Will Ferrell, <laughs> the football one. Yes, I forgot that film even existed. Which was the better of the two? Let's have a look. Uh, it was oh, close. No Bamback, you, you you gave it three and a half, whereas um, Will Ferrell only got two. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, Will. <laughs> I did kind of enjoy it, and actually, I think maybe I could bump that two up after, after sitting with it for a while. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, in terms of new movies, I watched Armageddon Time and thought it was not a nice movie, <laughs> but I wasn't really blown away by it. I really like James Gray. Like Lost City of Zed is one of my yeah, it was a good fa- one favorites. It's my favorite that year um, by far. Oh, was it? Uh, Twenty sixteen. I just 
think it's a stunning movie. It's an archaeology movie as well, which helps me love it. I love Ad Astra so much, and the immigrants. Stunning to watch. Wonderful. Um, so I was really looking forward to it, and it's kind of, it's just there's something missing from it that I can't really work out what it is. I don't really know what it. I don't really know why. I didn't connect with it as much as other people have been, but I did enjoy watching it. It just didn't really, just didn't really work for me. Uh, though um, Anthony Hopkins is always fantastic, and Anne Hathaway is really good in it. Where she really disguises herself in the role, I think. But I'm I'm largely. actually a big fan of Anne Hathaway. I do like me her too. Quite, me I too. Like yeah, I think she's one of those people that's unfairly kind of maligned, as far as I can tell. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the. Um, obviously it's me I'm going to go to Batman but in The Dark Knight she was probably one of the best things about that film mm-hmm. you know what I mean and uh, I always you know I always look forward to seeing it and what was the um, the kaiju film Colossal, uh, Colossal I thought she yeah. was I thought she was really good in that film I really enjoyed that film actually and I mean although Getting Married for me is a top three yeah that's movie. a great film um, yeah. so and she's just absolutely wonderful in it so yeah I won't say anything against her I think she's good agreed what about you? Uh, I have not watched anything new. I uh, have, I think the only thing I have watched is I've watched a couple of episodes of Andor, you know, the, the uh, Star yeah. Wars show. Um, so far, I'm not really that impressed, but everybody is raving about this show, so maybe I need People to love stick it. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I need to stick with it a bit. I find it hard maybe. to inv- get invested in a character that I know his or their outcome do you know what i mean like I, i'm interested to see how is that shows mr. mr andor yeah how how it's gonna end because we all know how it ends i don't know always so why i'm never a fan of prequel stuff but whatever i just i haven't watched it yet i'm just i will i guess i'll watch it at some point people seem to love it so i guess i'll watch it at some point but just the I mean, idea it looks very good i mean you know I just, don't care about Star yeah. Wars at all. Like, I, I watched Obi Wan like, with gritted teeth. Like, I thought I you liked to watch it. I liked. I really like watching Ewan do. Obi-Wan. Yeah, same. Like that. I like that so much that I enjoyed watching it. Um, but it doesn't. These things just have no reason to exist. <laughs> they just do that- nothing. They just. They're so empty. They're, they're just so vapid of like of just content creation it doesn't feel like anyone gives a shit it just feels like it's content making you know i will i will say there's a fair few episodes or a good chunk of episodes of mandalorian which i do think are really entertaining like yeah uh like i really enjoyed the episode with the you know the frog lady and they're kind of like in this like ice planet oh, yeah. with the giant spiders and that i love that it felt like a saturday afternoon kind of adventure show that you know just with a big budget and, yeah. uh, but then you get like crap like uh, Boba Fett which feels like Hercules then do you know what I mean like that kind of Boba level Fett was so bad and um, and Obi-Wan just had some terrible terrible writing in it that I just couldn't understand <laughs> yeah. like like even the, some of the blocking was all like so bad which had been decided to be put onto streaming it yeah, really it's like, just felt like someone had pulled a movie apart yeah, it's like how much footage have you got from this? We've got yeah. about three hours worth of. Well, put it all up on screen. Yeah, just no, do it it's... all. We keep everything. We just keep everything we ever shot. All the takes. It's like they even do like 
they try and do that bit where the, he hides her under a uh, he hides like the young Leia in his like big jacket and it just it just looked so awkward and it was like I don't know doing Leia was I, I didn't hate Leia I thought she was kind, kind of cute and I really liked the idea of doing that relationship with Obi-Wan yeah um, I think that's a good thing to explore it was shit though <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you mean like do you I don't think I mean? like <laughs> I don't think the little girl was a bad actress but like no. and I don't know if they shot it on you know the big you know that screen thing they've got what's it called the void no it's not the void what's it called <laughs> the void <laughs> I don't know what's the big screen called you know but the film on is it the void yeah, I know I what you know. mean and now I can only think of the void <laughs> <laughs> but like so they've got this little girl running around and it just looks very awkward where like grown adults can't catch her and I just find yeah. and she's like running very slowly and I'm like well, what's going on here is it because they're it's on like the, the void or whatever and it's like I just couldn't understand it but yeah I just think it's just like what are we doing here when you're doing a prequel to a, as you say a character that I I, I we know very well <laughs> like we know Obi-Wan very well there are so many movies about him there's so many so much content out there you know and you choose to inject into this plot fucking Leia who arguably yeah. we know more about like they like, should have just what they should have just had him go off world into something completely different that we had nothing about no yeah, clue just, about just and the only person we have a relationship yeah. to is Obi-Wan so we feel more yes. invested in Obi-Wan and like yeah. meeting all these new people and stuff yeah, and like honestly. maybe it's about him wanting to get back thing. to Tatooine. Him, that whole idea to... that he's got guilt over, like survivor's guilt, is perfect for Obi Wan. That's yeah, yeah. a good thing to explore. You could do it with any number of children of Jedi's. You could do it with any number of maybe former Jedi's. You could do it with any number of that, like of of stuff you want to tell that story with. Just doing it with Leia was a mistake. It just really was a mistake. Because you can still have how they didn't that he get that. Because they can still have written in that he wants to get back to Tatooine because he's he's made the promise to look over Luke. So yeah. whatever he's doing, he's trying to get back there. Sure. And but I, we I'm, know I don't the story. Think... I just I'm fed up of the Star Wars. I'm fed up the way yeah. they write modern Star Wars. As in, they take like they look they look through like the timelines on fucking Wikipedia and go, well, we don't know what happened that year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, okay, that year's empty. We'll put a storyline in there. Who else is kicking around? Oh, this character is this. Put them in. Like, I just hate it. It just feels so absolutely meaningless to me. And it's just, it's like the opposite of being creative, I think. I think that's why it's like the opposite of injecting creativity into Star Wars universe. It's just the absolute antithesis to that. Yeah. We're just... And I think we've moaned about this tons, but it was just yeah. funny how it keeps happening. Apparently, I was so apparently Andor does fix a lot of that problems. In fact, apparently they are doing st- new stuff. Apparently, it is quite interesting. It is quite political. Yeah, political in like Star Wars. Yeah, I, 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 um, yeah. But like, and that's and that and people are really digging that. But I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. But yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see where it goes. But I wasn't. I was. I mean, I wasn't overly enthusiastic about it but at the same time I've got nothing better to do so I'll watch a couple more episodes <laughs> I can't so, remember yeah. if I've seen anything else this this really I was going to go watch um, Black Panther today but I didn't is that is that 
Is that news? It is <laughs> <Liz> now. <laughs> it's now. Tune in next week when you hear about me talk about Black Panther, maybe. Well, I've heard um, there's a bit more of a restructuring a over in... Like, Disney have had a big restructuring, haven't they? And I think they're going to... Yeah, I guess. I back. think I think they're going to do away with a lot of the Marvel shows. And they. Uh, this is what I read. Oh, it God. could be... Please. And they, so they might focus more on a few, like, standalone specials. You know, like they've done the Christmas special and that Halloween special. Did you watch that and Guardians then, Christmas special? No. Oh, it's a pile of shit. Oh, really? It's so bad. <laughs> I've heard people it's... rave about it, but I haven't watched it. Man, I don't know what's wrong with people. Chris Chris Pratt looks so so. <laughs> Chris Pratt looks like he's forgotten how to like like be a person in it. And his wig is so bad that I couldn't stop staring. He's at got a wig it. in like, it. Yeah. Why is he wearing a wig? I don't know. He shaved it for some military show he did or something i don't know oh, okay Some, I don't, you know what he likes to film <laughs> well, I've, i have no idea i tell you but what like, has come out this week though the, like talking about uh guardians of the galaxy there's been a whole bunch of trailers oh there so, has been hasn't there yeah so you've got the guardians of the galaxy volume 3 trailer you've got the mario trailer which i have to say i am actually quite excited about that mario film i, I think, think it could it be quite, quite fun good. but chris pratt sounds asleep I I don't. He sounds yeah. asleep. His line readings. He sounds like he just woke up. You know that thing of you know that bit in Simpsons where uh, 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 Lisa is in the recording studio doing doing lines for the new Malibu Stacy. Oh and, yeah, 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 yeah. And she and she keeps going. Oh, should should this actually read hat or something? It should read something different. And Krusty gets angry and bursts in and and goes, "Let me show how your pro does it." And he just reads through his lines like in quick succession, <laughs> like "Hey, hey!" Oh, let me do that again. "Hey, hey!" Like and then goes, "That we're done," and storms out again. That I think Chris Pratt did that. I'm I'm certain Chris Pratt did a Krusty what, for this film. I mean, aside from that, I think Charlie Day sounds good as Luigi, and I yeah, I, I do think Jack Black sounds really good as Bowser. Yeah. So I'm, I think Anna sounds and good I quite Peach, like, and I quite like that they've um, they're incorporating all of like Mario's tropes into it. So like the actual levels from the first couple of games look like the like training or something for Mario, and then you've kind of got a bit of Mario Kart in there and a bit of Smash Brothers and stuff. It looks. I agree. Quite fun. Just shouldn't have hired Chris fucking Pratt. Yeah. I mean, they've Anyone got the perfect else? voice in Charles... What's his name? Mike, what's his name? Uh, Charles... Charles, I could have told you a second ago, but when he did Martin, this to me, I no. forget people's names. Martin Al or something, is it? Yeah, something like that. And everyone loves that guy. He's the happiest guy in the world. Well, it's... Yeah, Ma- Martinet. Yeah, Charles yeah, Martinet. Um, but, like, there is no... This is the problem. They've. This is the stupid thing that they've, they've done, and this is a stupid fucking studio thing. There is no one in the planet that is a bigger IP than Mario. Mario, yeah, like, himself. There's a yeah. character called Mario, and he looks like Mario, and he sounds like Mario. That's the fucking selling point. Like, there's no... Nothing else needs to go on the fucking poster. Nothing else needs to exist to sell you this movie. Yeah, but they all. need they need Chris Pratt to kind of sit on the chair in front of the, the <laughs> presenters from this morning to yes. answer the same questions that he's been asked all day about 50,000 times that's what they need 
You know what I mean? And then, and then you get the fucking cast with the fucking that. It just seems so. It's like they're miss, they're miss, they're they're misidentifying what sells is to people. Everyone is watching this trailer and going, "Oh God, it looks like Mario, and it looks really fun being Mario." (laughs) Like no one's going, "Oh God, I need to see this Chris Pratt's in it." (laughs) They literally do. You know, like when Mario goes, "Let's go," and they literally have that, but it's like a "Let's go." Let's (laughs) go. No, (laughs) what's this? Yeah, and instead of like. It's like wahoo! <laughs> it's like yes. God, okay, Chris. Like, <laughs> there's a whole thing. Maybe maybe this is saying the story. That watch the um, French dub because the French voice actor's really going for it. <laughs> I wonder if the French voice actor is the guy that like dubs all of Chris Pratt's Probably, films. So maybe honestly, like maybe it's the guy who does Mario in French. I don't know. Maybe. Like, <laughs> maybe it's just silly. It's silly when they just they don't need to do this. They're wasting their fucking money, and I bet they. I don't know how much they've lent on their CGI artists and their animators on this for the money that they're paying Chris Pratt. Like, just right. put put your money in the proper fucking place. No one, you're not selling more tickets because of Chris Pratt. Garen fucking tee that. No, like, yeah. um, you're selling tickets because Mario Mario's on the front cover and he's got a hat with M on it and a big mustache. Like, that's yeah. that's it. Uh, what it's the not, it's not even out? the same as Sonic. Like, so. Yeah, anyway, totally. I can't believe you got me ranting about Mario. <laughs> uh, that's another rant time. What did you, did you watch the Indiana Jones and the Dial of the Something or other trailer? And the D- Dial H for Hero. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's it called? The Dial? What's it called? <laughs> the Dial of dial. Destiny. Dial of Destiny. Yeah, I mean, I got I got little chills. I like the I like Indiana Jones. He's got a hat and and I like the theme. <laughs> Yeah, what is it though with with trailers taking the theme tune and like slowing it down? It's like we all know the fucking theme song. Like, just fucking play the theme song. I don't know. I I I I reserve judgment. I I think I hope it's really fun. I hate. I like because the trailers on YouTube. I wish Short Round was in it. (laughs) Yeah, why isn't Short Round? Maybe might be. You never know. Um. The trailer though is on YouTube, and YouTube has like the worst compression ever. Oh yeah! So if you ever we watch anything with snow or like confetti on YouTube, it just goes all to f- shit and just goes all blocky. And there's like there's this looks like a, an entire scene that's set during like a parade, and there's just confetti yeah. going everywhere. So if you watch that on YouTube, all it is is just pixelated noise everywhere. And it's like, what am I watching? <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Indiana Jones is a weird one. I, I hope it's okay. I I hope it's okay. I guess. Like, I mean, I like for Phoebe me, Ra- so. Raiders is in my top twenty or maybe even top yeah. ten films yeah. of all time. I absolutely Same. adore Raiders. The others two I like. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're okay. Apparently, there's a fourth one. Not too sure. I haven't watched it. I have watched it. <laughs> the first half of the fourth one is good. The second half of the fourth one is a completely different movie. It drags the whole rating down. Well, like, when, movie. when they're driving around in the sidecar and stuff, like I, I'm not a Shia LaBeouf hater. Like, I mean, I'm in terms of him as a performer. I'm not a big fan of him as a person, but like, like he's done some good performances. Like Peanut Butter Falcon was really good, and Honey Boy, I thought he was quite good in that. And I didn't hate him in Indiana Jones. And there's like a good sequence which felt like it came from the other films when they're in the sidecar and they're driving through the mm-hmm. university and stuff like that. I mean, that's all really it's good got, fun. It's it's got it's got fucking Spielberg in it. Like you yeah. can't you can't forget Spielberg's behind the camera. And it does have those Spielberg shit that's like, oh yeah, Spielberg just effortlessly makes movies. 
<laughs> like, I think it's just, it's as soon as they go in the jungle and it becomes CGI and it's like why have you done that? Like yeah, I just I didn't even like the story and that that's that's one of the things with that I didn't like I didn't like the ancient alien shit. I have a real yeah. problem of that being a, a trope anyway, um, and that really bothers me in ways that I cannot be bothered to get into. <laughs> but like yeah. that's that's a problem with it for me, and yeah, I don't need a legacy character. Like I don't need that to happen. That's like a needless relationship for Indiana Jones to have. Like, I think the legacy character. Oh, do you mean bringing been... back his his old flame from the first film? You mean? Oh, I love Karen Allen being in it. I actually mean Shia. I don't need that. Oh, kind Shia, of like, got you. Like, we need a younger guy to take up the flame of Indiana Jones. That's not the way the fucking this would work. <laughs> like, it's, he's an archaeology professor. It's not a family business. Yeah. Like, but and I think. I, I would hope that if they want to introduce like young people into the cast, introduce students like a PhD student or something that is a much more yeah. fun way to deal with Indiana Jones, or someone who this... would someone who join him on a dig or something like that. Yeah, that yeah, would, yeah. There's a reason why they would be around him and stuff. Who challenges him in that way as well? Yeah. Not challenges him because he's like up to beat with the the hip things in the fifties or whatever was trying to yeah. go on. Um, but even like use like uh, Kei Hu Kwan. Like you short round. Like wouldn't it be I used to see like short round as a professional archaeologist as like an But adult. surely like, that little kid would have eventually would have ended up hanging around or Yeah, you could say a little yeah, protege of... his fucking tuition fees and he's got his yeah. he's got his doctorate in archaeology and stuff like that. I just think that's fun. Like Agreed. Um, and I just I just found it annoying to introduce Shire into that mix. Not not even the actor, just that character was needless to me. And I think it yeah. drags the film down. And to be honest, if I want to watch an Indiana Jones film, I've got like the first three to watch. I know Doom's a bit crap, but I've got the first three to watch. If I want to watch like roller coaster Spielberg's Spielberg action, I've got Tintin to watch. Like yeah. it just it doesn't really feel a good kind of slot in like yeah. when you want to put a movie on. I think it's just it's a weirdly it's a weirdlier movie that doesn't exist for me. Because it doesn't really fill any niche or fill any kind of desire, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> mm. uh, what other tra- mm. There was another trailer. Did you watch the Last of Us trailer, you know, the new TV show? I did watch the Last of Us trailer, but I, yeah, okay. I, I, think- <laughs> I mean, I, I absolutely adore the games. I think they're fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I just, I'm just hoping this doesn't become the new Walking Dead. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah, I just. I just- I really hate video game adaptation stuff. Like, and I just hope this might do something slightly different. Well, I mean, it's, it's written by Neil Druckmann, who, like, directed the games, and it's um, directed by the guy who did uh, Chernobyl, which I thought was a great show, to be fair. Yeah, it was. So I've, I've got some hope, and the, the guy who did the music for the Last of Us games is doing the music for the show, and, uh, you know, I like Pedro Pascal. and. Hmm? Although, like, yeah. you know, you look at Joel, he doesn't look like Joel, because Joel looks pretty much like uh, 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 Thanos, what's his name, James Brolin? No, yeah, is it James Brolin? <laughs> yeah, no. Thanos. Josh Brolin, Josh Brolin. Josh, he looks Josh just, Brolin. he looks like Josh Brolin pretty much, but, um, but I think he'll make a good Joel. And uh, I think the girl from Game of Thrones is, uh, is Ellie, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, I hope it's good. Yeah. Did you watch the um 
Did you watch the Guardians trailer then? I did. I mean, I don't know. It's like, do you remember when I remember we saw Guardians two with each other at the cinema, and any times Drax was on the screen, we just kept rolling our eyes. I just find him really, really painful to watch. And so, any time he's on the screen in the trailer, I'm just like, oh god, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah. And it and I don't know, some of it looks... What's that game that's a bit like The Thing, kind of like where one of the persons, like... Among Us, is it? Like, <laughs> okay. some, there's some characters in it that like, they're all jumping out of a ship and they're all in different colours. And it, it feels like he's definitely leaning <laughs> yeah. more on... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's there's definitely more of a vibe of the Suicide Squad in this than the mm. previous game, uh, Guardians Galaxy, in my opinion. I don't know, but... The way it's shot, it's not as vibrant and, I don't know, it feels a bit more muted and stuff. But I don't know if that's, I don't know if he's trying to make a bit more of a darker film. I don't know. It could be trailer. It's trailer stuff. I don't know. It's got Adam Warlock in it, though. So I'm interested in what they do with that. I am, I, again, I hope it's good. Yeah, I mean, I don't want any film to be bad, you know end of the day but uh marvel stuff is so fucking weird like yeah, i've like i think we talked about it last time i haven't watched any hardly any of uh the last couple of releases it's just they should have ended it they should have actually ended it with infinity war wherever the fuck the second one was called. yeah i agree um because they actually did it they they did it <laughs> they yeah, pulled it and out it, and it, like, yeah it worked they, they won yeah. i don't know how they, they don't know how they did it but it was really good like um they should have just gone right. Let's fucking draw a line and just take years off, like five years or something. They could have taken off and then come back with an actual fresh idea, an actual direction. And it doesn't. It just feels stale. Like it really does. It just yeah. feels stale. It feels like we're dragging like the 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 bottom bits of the other movies to try and get people to love them and recognize like, them. Have you tried to rewatch? Uh, you know the Spider Man one no way home again no no i've got no interest i watched it again and i was just like this is such a chore mm. uh, until toby and andrew come in because it is delightful yeah, when agree. they come back yeah but up until it's, that then, movie I'm is just an like, absolute chore but till then i agree i'm just like Ugh, and this is so i boring. actually i'm probably one of the bigger defenders of like doctor strange 2 that even exist but like I wouldn't it wouldn't it's not like if that film didn't exist we would have a, like a loss to the world or anything yeah. like it's like yeah, I just feel like nothing they've actually done has been good enough to warrant it still existing and mm-hmm. and I just wish they'd stop but maybe I'll go see Black Adam not Black Adam maybe I'll go see Black Panther tomorrow and just think oh no actually I'm on board I love everything about Marvel again I don't know like but it just I just feel very very tired of it all existing it all feels like because they've announced all the films up until I don't know, like they're doing Secret War, Avengers Secret Wars, or something like I don't know. They they've got them all planned up until twenty End of time twenty seven, and yeah. it's like I don't care about building up to that. I want the next one to be good. I'm not like oh no, but we yeah, promise <laughs> I want something to be good now, please. Yeah, don't just dangle that carrot in front of me again. Well, this one's going to be the... This is the really good one, but, it, you know, it's yeah. about five yeah. years down the road. I just... Yeah, I feel like... And I feel like when they go, you like Ant-Man, don't you? Remember Ant-Man? You like Ant-Man? We do another one, and it's like, I don't care. I just... And it's how like, about just stop oh, doing it? <laughs> Deadpool? You like Deadpool? And look like Deadpool, who we've got now. We've got, we've got Wolverine now, and you know who's playing Wolverine. 
<laughs> it's oh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. You like Hugh Jackman, don't you? <laughs> like, no, I, I guess. So once I don't know. Like, don't I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing like they're not going to go full throttle on the mutants because I'm. If they've got Hugh Jackman back for this, they're going to use him for Secret Wars or whatever, aren't they? Down the road. Oh uh, yeah. Whatever it is, I, I don't just, know. They should have just taken a five-year fucking break and come back with Fantastic Four. Like, Agreed, as the yeah. first new movie and, and just had to inject new life into it and then slowly through like the new world you're introducing through Fantastic Four you could have brought some of those older characters back they should have but had the it the problem start- is they signed thousand year contracts with 400 actors in Hollywood yeah. and they, they got to make like 30 films starring like everyone or something I mean how great would have Fantastic stop- how great would a Fantastic Four film that's set in the 60s be and then through some event they end up back in like the modern oh, time yeah, and then sure. that's how you can bring it back into the, bring the 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 marvel characters back into the fold or back something. into it again know. and bring that and just bring that excitement back in that's what's yeah. really missing that excitement that a new thing's happening and a new release is coming through like i just it's so weird that like no one's talked to me about like black panther like black panther one was such like a huge fucking deal no matter even what you think of the movie, it's a good movie apart from the last end of it. But like that movie was beyond good for what like it was important as a cultural thing. Oh yeah, definitely. You know? And this one just has kind of just it just exists. Like it's just they just released it and people. But it feels got like to, to me, it went, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it exists because when they started pre-production, Chadwick Boseman was alive, sure. and so the film that they were going to make, he was the lead in it. Yeah. And then, obviously, during pre-production, he passed away, sadly. And they're like, oh, well, we've, we're this far ahead into it now. How can we salvage what we've got and then change it to this new idea? And it's just like, well, just don't even bother. Like, just Yeah, maybe at some know. point you just, like, don't. Just don't even. Like, because from what I haven't watched it, but it sounds like they're just introducing a lot of other characters that are going to be in new series like... Um, Iron Heart yeah. and all this kind of stuff, and it just feels like, you know, if you can everything, have Namor in your film, like make a bigger deal of it. I don't know, like everything feels like a trailer. <laughs> it's yeah, thing. everything like make. And I won't. We've talked to Marvel way too much. We have to stop. But She Hulk was fucking terrible, and I'm so was mad it? at it being terrible. I hate that it was terrible. Like it had everything going for it. It was a pile of crap and i hated that it existed and the the ending of that show was offensive <laughs> i really hated it i don't mean offensive i know they introduced like, oh. didn't they introduce hulk's son or something oh yeah they did know. yeah that was some great fucking three minutes in the cgi lab <laughs> how <laughs> how was um daredevil in it Cause Cause i do love me, I do love me charlie, charlie he's yeah. a good like he's, he's a good daredevil he was the best episodes by far, by far. I'm, him and, but they, I don't want. They didn't do anything that a sitcom needs for it to exist. It like they sold it as like this is finally going to be like a Marvel sitcom, and it was not funnier than any Marvel film. The jokes were the same as like any Marvel film. You know what I mean? Like it's just it didn't it didn't it wasn't even shot like a sitcom it wasn't like plotted like a sitcom. They didn't have any supporting cast. They didn't have any B plots. They didn't have any like any 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 flow to it it was just the same old like tired old strudging through like bullshit stories and you have to, you do have to admire like chore 
sitcom writing is so good. Like how they managed to have yeah. in some even like three storylines going on at the same and time. And I don't they, and I don't blame the writers as well because these are writers that worked under Dan Harmon for stuff like you know Rick and Morty. They're course, funny people. Yeah. It's just I think the Marvel machine grinds out your creativity. You're not allowed to do like anything else but what Marvel does. Like and right. this really just felt like it. It just really felt like oh this is what Marvel has to be. I get it. Like, I get that you cannot have your own stamp on this. You can't do anything different. It just has to be this. I guess the and only you way it, you, you can... love it, if you, like, you know. The only way you can do that is if, like, I'm not saying it's great, but, like, Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool, I think whatever he says with that character now goes... Probably. Like, I think yeah. I have a feeling he's got more say over that than Charlie <laughs> Feige or whatever. And I just don't think you have that with anybody else within the Marvel, like, if it's... Castle crew, do you know what I mean? And I just don't think anyone has the balls. Well, it's to because kind of... the, it's because the Marvel system doesn't, you know, Quentin Tarantino got hung up for saying this, but the Marvel system doesn't make movie stars. It like that's the whole point of it. Everybody you got know? mad over Martin Scorsese and Tarantino for saying things that are true. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I know, I know. what they're saying is not wrong. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there was a thing about like fucking the guy who plays this is like, I don't want to get into this is stupid to get into I'm gonna you can cut this out <laughs> just say it anyway just so uh, the, the actor who plays uh, Shang-Chi did this oh, whole yeah. thing he like that guy needs to not post he just needs to get off fucking Twitter I don't think he understood what Tarantino was trying to say no and, and he not- said this whole thing about like you know Marvel gave the opportunity to like but we wouldn't have like an Asian like lead of like a, a like a movie and stuff like that and like there's two people in hollywood that you should not place those criticisms at like yeah. no matter what you think of fucking tarantino and i think he's an asshole he worked yeah. so fucking hard to get like the the cinema that he loves out to people like the, the we i knew who Wong Kar Wai was because of tarantino yeah, yeah, yeah. because of like tarantino presents like chunking express like or like um you know tarantino presents hero Shaolin like, all those yeah yeah all those old like you know hong kong action movies and hong kong like stuff he preserved them he got them out out there he got like distribution deals for them um martin martin fucking scorsese made an entire film <laughs> about like about Tibetan Buddhism with the Tibetan yeah. cast, like and and Disney buried that movie because they had they thought it was going to have harm their relationships with China. Like it, Martin Scorsese has does not make movies about like you know he's not like he doesn't make like uh, Jackie Brown like Tarantino and stuff like that. But he makes he has the World Cinema Project when he's involved in the like, archiving like World Cinema and and Freeze Production Company. He produces like like foreign language films and stuff like that the, the idea that you can put those two up against the fucking disney machine for for like their book bu- like their bullshit like hollywood like blockbusters is offensive to me like well, it's, it's like, stupid like when when uh, shang chi came out i think kevin feige or something like that said this film is an experiment and he got that guy, the, the guy who plays Shang-Chi, got all up in arms saying, look, we are not an experiment. But I think what Kevin Feige meant was, we're just coming out of COVID. We're going to experiment with this film to see how well it you know, mm. does in terms of... He wasn't saying we're experimenting in doing, you know, uh, films with, you know, uh, a more broader 
a range of like you know cast like you know and i think he kind of misunderstood it and like you were saying like he's obviously misunderstanding what tarantino and Martin Scorsese are saying and just kind of like shooting his mouth off yeah i think i think simu just needs to stop posting he's got all that bullshit about he those weird posts about pedophilia and homosexuality as well that what what's that reddit account and stuff like that i don't know it's just ugh. <laughs> the things that he said just, yeah like like there's something like an old reddit account or something and he's got all these like quotes and posts about like like linking the two and things like that oh okay just get off the internet dude <sighs> <laughs> All right, so we've talked about Marvel, you know, for far too long. <laughs> what are we actually? Yeah. What have we come together today to talk about? Right, we've come to talk about an old friend of ours, actually. <laughs> um, Mr. Well, several yeah, Mr. of our old friends, in in fairness. Honestly, yeah, this is they're they're all back. Yeah, um, this is quite stacked. The stacked, stacked. Uh, we're talking about James Whale's gothic horror film, The Old Dark House, from 1932. You haven't have any idea where we are. Let's look at the map or something. My own view is we're not on a map. Pull up, Phil. Light, light, pull in there. Oh. Again, louder. I should have thought that was loud enough to wake the dead. Come on, then, Morgan. Let them in. I'm sorry to barge in on you like this, but <laughs> needs must when the devil drives. <laughs> you will have to stay here. The misfortune is yours. He's alive! He's alive, I tell you. You're afraid, aren't you? You don't seem to understand. We may be cut off. But this is absurd. Did you hear that? What is it? Listen, there's a madman upstairs. Morgan's let him out and he's dangerous. We've got to do something. He just wants to destroy. To kill. I always sing when I open up my notepad. (laughs) Right, so uh, The Old Dark House is about something. Let me do that again. It's a comedy horror. It is a comedy horror. Well, pre-code. The Old old Dark House um, involves these three travellers, Pendrel, Margaret and Philip, who get caught in a storm and they take they take some shelter in a nearby old house which has um a group of like creepy weirdos who live there (laughs) and there's a mystery in the house as well an unseen element to the house of of the characters of the house that that has this weird um underpinning of uh threat throughout the whole movie yeah that's that's the movie pretty much yeah i'd say that sums it up it's an odd little film and i think like the, so we we covered Jane, we covered james whale in extensive the beginning, detail 
Yeah, the Blair. beginning of the 30s. So we covered him doing Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. I think we did we did the same episode. Did we just Yeah, we did together? them back to back. Yeah, because they're only like yeah. an hour long each, aren't those films really? They're, yeah. They're, they're very short. I mean, this, to be fair, this is very short as well. It's like 72 <laughs> it's minutes like, and change, something like that. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> it's the perfect, perfect length. <laughs> and um, I thought it'd be fun to kind of... I, I decided to cover this before that we decided to do the... um the Frankenstein so it wasn't like I thought we'd just cover James Whale forever <laughs> but like this was already on the docket we did the Frankensteins and we just left it there anyway and it's it's interesting because it's his only universal horror film that isn't a universal monster film so obviously he does Frankenstein he does this then he does Invisible Man and then after that he does Bride of Frankenstein so he he makes a bit of a corpus of doing um horror films for Universal in the early 30s that's not his only films at the time like every single director at this point they're making films fucking constantly so I think there's also another film that comes out this year as well uh, that's more of a romance uh, The Impatient Maiden that's the one I was thinking of so that comes out this year as well but um, I thought this this became a bit of a a bit of a cult classic, I think it's best to say. It wasn't gr- well received at its time. It did get yeah. some better play in England than America, but America yeah, like didn't in America, really seem to like it. It like properly declined, didn't it? And it got cancelled. Yeah. It was meant to have a four-week run, and then it kind of like after two weeks, they just like were like they pulled it. It already disappeared. Yeah, and, then and I um, think it pretty much became like a lost film, and it had you know got it did. rediscovered in the sixties. And that's what I think is really what I was kind of thinking be kind of fun to cover it because this kind of exists as a bit of a bit of a lost film that then became a bit of a cult classic really uh what basically happened is in universal just let the rights go uh because this is an adaptation it's an adaptation of a uh jb Priestley book do you know jb Priestley? you know what he's famous for the writer um no enlighten me <laughs> I don't know if you've done it at school. I think feel like it's a book everyone does at school oh. or a play everyone does at school. Uh, and Inspector Calls. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we've done Inspector Calls. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, I, to be fair, like it's. I I worked it out the other day. It's been twenty years since I did my A level. So um, we don't need yeah. this. <laughs> so like, <laughs> cut, you can cut that out. Christ. It's been a long time. <laughs> pressing fucking stats. <laughs> you just say no. No. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I did. We did do Inspectacles at school, yeah. Yeah, so that I think that's his big book. Um, very famous British writer. Um, maybe not so famous these days, but at least at his time, he was a very famous writer. And so he wrote a book called Benighted, uh, which this is a real, weirdly, a really straight adaptation of, though I cannot fucking imagine what this book is. Like, because everyone describes this book as like a, a story of. Of of post First World War disillusionment and like class troubles, class, and I'm like, which I don't really get from the film much, really. I think that I think it's there, but we'll get to it. We'll get. There's to a it. little bit, like, especially during like there's a scene where they're all talking around by the by the fire and stuff. But, yeah, um, there's stuff, but we'll get to it when we get into the plot. Yeah. Like, but, so I don't forget that I'm meant to be talking about it being a lost story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they let the rights to the the the, the story drop in the fifties. So that means that um, Hammer Films, they do their own production in 63. Um, Which reminds me, I think I need to change my artwork for the for the episode because I used the poster from the 63 one thinking oh no. it was this version. <laughs> so I've got to recreate. I'm going to create some new artwork. 
But to be yeah, fair, though, looking at the poster on, at least on Wikipedia, this poster's pretty cool, though. It's awesome. It's got the giant head of, like, uh, is it Gloria Stewart, I think? Yeah, and then a Looming little over Boris Karloff at the no, bottom. Who is it? Karloff at the bottom. At the bottom. Yeah. Who weirdly so, gets, like, he gets top billing in this film. He was huge. I know, and literally huge, but, like... Anyway, we're getting off track. Let me just finish Sorry. this thing about it being missing. Um, so, um, the Hammer film actually was really a little bit popular, but it leads to this starting people talking about this 30s film as being like, oh, it's a lost classic. Have you seen this? It's actually really good. It's like whispers. It was made by the same guy who made, made Frankenstein. Um, and it's really kind of weird and different. Um, but no one, it just didn't exist. It wasn't out there for anyone to see. You know, that's, it's, weird. It's, it's weird thinking about that when we talk about old films that you just couldn't find them. There was no output. If it didn't exist, you couldn't find it. Um, so somewhere there there started being kind of a push to get this actually kind of um to to, to get it saved and it led to um it led to a colleague of wales actually pushing for the preservation of it through some archive release the whale cut yeah curtis harrington um he was a colleague of of whale of um james whale they knew each other um, and uh, he st- he started um, a mission to kind of locate the negatives of this film. After finding them, he then hired uh, George East Houseman, uh, George Eastman House film archivists to come and preserve the negative and produce a new negative to preserve the film forever. So that was in the late sixties. He had to tell them, like he had to sign like an affidavit thing saying that it, he wouldn't put it up for sale. You know, he was. This is just a product of archiving. Mm-hmm. I am not going to distribute it at all. It's just to save this film from being lost at all. And then it was much later than the sixties. It was like two thousand and ten, I think it was. Really, was it that? Um, or not something that like ago. that when a Blu-ray came out of it, and that was the first time it's been actually been available. That they, they started shipping around. I'm sure it started getting showed shown on like, um, it started getting shown at like different presentations, but. I'm pretty sure the BFI sh- were the first people to show it when it when it came out, and it was it actually came back to the cinemas when it came out again in 2000 and something. I mean, it looks. Or something. I thought it looked stunning. Like it looked, it looked so amazing. Like yeah. you know, compared to like M that we watched last week, which still looks good, but mm. it looked better than that. And the sound, even the sound was even better. I'm not saying the use of the sound was better, but just the clarity yeah, yeah. of like you know the dialogue and stuff like that, and the sound yeah, effects was. We're watching like a Blu-ray res- restoration of it now, yeah. and and now it's it's actually available for everyone to see, which is just really cool. And that's that's all because of Curtis Harrington going out of his way to make sure this has been preserved. So Good this became Kurt. a film that people were we were really like it became rumored this is the lost kind of classic of of James Whale and stuff, who has again in his own right started being reevaluated by kind of critics and reevaluated by the kind of film community into like actually looking at as him as an auteur in an era where well, I guess wasn't a thing i guess it was easy to look at a director who did some of the you know the the universal monster films and just be, and like probably going back to like we're talking about marvel films and just thinking you know just a bit of you know they just do whatever schlocks around at the time mm-hmm. when not yeah. really realizing you know how well made they actually were yeah you know absolutely because I think once was... there's so many sequels to these things, it waters them down and it makes yes. you think less of the originals, maybe. I don't, do you know what I mean? So maybe people just 
you know look their no, like look down upon those kind of filmmakers eventually and even, i think it's no go so yeah without realizing that they actually did do good work and you're just remembering the more recent ones which were crap compared to yeah, how I it like started when it was good i don't know i don't think that's true and in a lot of ways i think this represents we talked about this with bride and frankenstein bride and frankenstein is incredibly a james whale movie like it's his own mm-hmm. story he brings his own like queerness into that movie into the whole story it's a story about himself it, it just happens to have this character called frankenstein into it It happens to be a sequel to one of the most famous characters that's ever been written like but it is a personal movie and i think i think and a bride he, that appears for literally two minutes <laughs> two seconds <laughs> but i think what the old dark house represents is literally his first steps for doing that i think Mm -hmm. what i see in this movie is him him taking those first steps in being in putting himself and putting his views and beliefs and his world into a movie into this kind of world as you say of just taking up these producer-led movies at the time these carl lemney pictures at the time and finding a way to adjust that and and mold that into being a personal story for himself and i think the old house my reading of this movie is he's taking those first steps to kind of shift a movie into into being more personal to do mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying to kind of beat that idea that I'm just a director for hire I'm just picking up these these pictures you know these horror pictures and stuff because I think he actually got the he asked Universal to get the rights for the book yes. I think so he was definitely very keen on the the source material to begin with I mean, you're talking about this is no when we like the blank check podcast. You're talking about he just made Frankenstein, <laughs> like yeah. he he could have demanded anything, you know. And what he does this year is like the Impatient Maiden, which is an interesting, weird kind of like romantic comedy, which is worth watching if you can actually find it. And the Old Dark House; those are his two immediate follow-ups. These are per these are him doing what he wants to do this year, which you don't always get with Golden Age directors, I think. Is, is them being able just to do whatever the hell they wanted to do for a little bit before he then does The Invisible Man you know he goes back into doing those those movies for Universal again so I think do you think does, he does it's, it's do you think he does account. those because they these at the time didn't work for whatever yeah, I mean, this reason flopped. it was a classic, so like he was like well I've got to yeah. go back to what I know works yes yeah. Or I, I mean, know that na- I can. You're absolutely right. This is a classic. Like I'm going to do this picture. I believe in this. The audience is having no fucking interest for it. Yeah. So he goes right back into doing the, you know, the horror movies again. Well, not the, but the monster pictures again for Universal. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really interesting, and and that's kind of why like I put it on the docket because I was like, I don't know what this is going to be. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be good. I know it's talked about a lot, but it definitely represents something kind of interesting to me, an, an interesting kind of flow for 1930s like movie making. Um, and uh, you can tell that like he's, um, he, I, I think like looking back on it as well, the impression I got was this kind of the first movie to do this trope like which is well it's almost like normal people entering into this mad world (laughs) it's like he creates the tropes but also then takes the piss out of the tropes at the same time honestly honestly it's so true it's like it's like like i don't know if there's any other films prior to this because like i said i'm really bad i haven't watched a lot of you know 20s and 30s films I don't know if there's any like previous like haunted house or horror house kind of films that 
you can kind of look at this They're other than like Nosferatu like, and things like that and yeah sure but like he's, I mean he's playing on like his use of shadow in this is playing oh, yeah. on all that kind of stuff the use of shadow in this is so good like so many scenes play out as big shadows and walls and stuff like that there's barely ever a shot where it's not strongly lit with like shadows playing behind them and things it's well i mean they talk the talk so cool. of light is really important in the film like electric light and then the, you got the older ladies like i don't yeah. like any of those electric lights and she's just got a room that's full of candles and and quick pictures like of that. the queen victoria on the wall yeah yeah, like <laughs> yeah. yeah. and then part of one of the plot is to get hold of this it's almost a bit video game you've got to go and get the light from the third floor you've got to go get the <laughs> giant fucking lamp from i mean i had floor. I, I have to admit, I got Resident Evil vibes. I can imagine the tank yeah. controls of people walking up and down the stairs. Or what yeah. was the Afraid of the Dark or whatever that other, you know, oh, that yeah, first yeah, sure. ever like yeah. horror video game. And, uh, you know, like the there's one amazing shot of like a corridor and like just to show how cold this house is, the window's broken already and like the rain's <laughs> coming through and the, the curtains are all like billowing. And uh, that reminded me of the scene in uh, Resident Evil where the, you know the dogs jump through the yeah the yeah, window and yeah. the curtains are going and stuff. And I think, like as you say, it's so clearly he was playing on the satire of the book. I'm guessing he yeah. was satir- satirizing the book itself. I'm, I'm guessing, um, but it does feel like he's putting for the first time these tropes of like you know creepy family that live in like a house you know and you're kind of stuck there. And then laughing at them at the same fucking point. Like, immediately he's taking the piss out of the tropes. He's, it feels like inventing. As I say, I could be told that it's not. But it does feel like this is, at the same time, this first time this has ever happened. And also he's taking the piss out of them. Which I think probably was one of the reasons people didn't really vibe with this movie back in the 30s. Because it's a little, it's too like knowledgeable. <laughs> it's too like, <laughs> it's too knowing of what's going on. It makes but you, if you wonder. Think about, like, Chainsaw Massacre, Rocky That's Horror. what I was just about to say, like, Chainsaw Massacre, like the family in that house and stuff. Yeah. And uh, uh, like, X as well from a couple of years yeah. ago. This, feel, this felt like X to me so much. And like, like it's really weird. Sorry to go back to Resident Evil, but Resident Evil Seven, sure. like that's totally there's no zombies and stuff in that. You're basically yeah. in this kind of like hillbilly house and like there are rooms locked where there's an ancient old person who's like in a bed and stuff like that, like a grandma or, or do you know what I mean? And like you've got crazy family yeah. members who are like chasing yeah. through the house. And it just I wonder if they'd seen this film or what or if it's I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I, I, I wonder how many people have seen it, but I wonder more it's just somehow this this bled into, like... So, like, so the many of the films that, and stories. Yeah, it bleds into so much different stuff. And I think like, X especially, but I was thinking, even of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies that came out this year, which I really loved, um, it's the same thing of you being trapped in, like, that single house location with weird shit going on. Obviously, this is the 30s. And you know, but so it's not like it's it's not Chainsaw Massacre. I but I even got Evil Dead it in two. It. I even had an Evil Dead Two vibe. So you know, like yeah, you have right. the three that enter originally, and then you get the other yep. two that enter later on. I was like, is yep. that like Bobby Joe and the other? Yeah. Guy? You know, like you know, like he's just a, he's just the English version of that, like the yeah. you know Ebagum kind of guy. But like yeah we say we should say as is, as you were saying welcome back to the podcast that was uh, this is um charles, Lawton. charles lawton's first first screen role is that uh, actually his first one yep his first no screen role was this movie because as you as we kind of said this was this was like james james wales could have done whatever he wanted with this film so 
one thing he does is he pulls the cast out himself so the cast in this film are all like hand selected by james whale that all people he kind of knew i think maybe the two americans were kind of maybe studio notes but this film is largely populated by british stage actors um who who james whale knew from his time on stage Mm -hmm. and the lot of these people are like the first time they're appearing on film or like or maybe like hadn't really appeared in many hollywood pictures so charles lalton who and obviously we covered doing a night of the hunter uh this this is his first role quite a film <laughs> i mean this is his, you, this you is may his know him role. from like from hobson's choice as well the david lean film. yeah 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 oh like which i think did he, henry the eighth which is great as well he, like did he win the oscar for hobson's choice or was he just or was he just um nominated good question i'm not i can't actually remember sorry but i really enjoyed him in this film actually nominated. like he's he's, he's got he's got such a great film, screen right? presence you immediately this is what i loved about this film is that every character they introduce i immediately understood who that character was i understood mm-hmm. everything about that character i understood that like philip you know was like a playboy kind of thing like yeah I, and or william porthouse was like a businessman or something like i i got that immediately from it like gladys um is like a former dancer you know yeah. and she's kind of with this guy but really it's just out of convenience they're not really in love kind of thing you get that within like two seconds of them appearing on screen which is which is really like economical filmmaking especially say in a movie that's like 70 minutes long yeah exactly you, you don't kinda... you just get in there and they and they tell you exactly what you need to know about them i just thought it was so smart i was really c- continuously just blown away by what they were doing with it I mean, how amazing is Ernest? Uh, what th- I can't pronounce his surname. Thesinger, Thesinger, Thesinger. Anyway, Thes- he's Thes- like uh, yeah, I, I what struggle a, with this name. Thesinger, Like what an amazing look he has. He's honestly MVP. Just yeah, just yeah. <laughs> and again welcome back to the show obviously because he plays um dr septimus pretorius yeah. in uh, in bride of frankenstein which is very much playing on this character like it's it's the same they're cut from the same like like cloth aren't they um ambiguously queer <laughs> like, oh yeah evil yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> i just think i, I think um Fessiger, um is it's just one of the most fascinating men of this time period. I think as a, I think I cannot remember how much we talked about him last time, but we talked about, did we talk about the fact that he was, he was like the president of the Needlepoint Society or something? I can't remember now. I mean, but like, <laughs> but then like to, he's the, the actress who played his sister, Eva Moore. She was fantastic as well as like the, um, was she like the, his like older sister who's kind of like managing the house or looking after the house pretty much. Yeah, she was like you got the basic tropes of that he he's ambiguously gay. Oh, y- like younger brother who's absolutely in like the kind of clutches of his older sister. Mm-hmm. Um who like who's he's kind of scared of. He's kind of like uh, a bit uh, likes to avoid. He just kind of wants to enjoy his gin. He talks about how he's wanted by the police. We're never sure what that is. Oh, yeah, I took yeah, yeah. it as a I took it as a queer thing if I'm honest. Um, I I have to say that totally went over my head but I can totally see where you're coming from with that yeah yeah like he just kind of laughs about it I I, I 
do you want to know that I'm actually wanted by the police right now? <laughs> like, um, his repeating of have a potato is just that was like, amazing. <laughs> it's just fucking amazing. Like, and he keeps offering potatoes to everyone. <laughs> like, uh, there's a bit where he moans about the flowers. He gets given some. He goes, "My sister's been like, oh, he just chucks them on ages, the fire to arrange them." He, <laughs> yeah, he just chucks them in the fire. It's absolutely fucking brilliant. But, like, I just was like, "This guy is the best." But then, even Moore's character. What was her name? Um, the uh, what was her name? Uh, Rebecca Fem. Yeah, Fem. She she had. I've never seen anyone with so many pickled onions on a plate. She just kept taking. <laughs> Out of the, and it's worth say, saying that Boris Karloff is Morgan, who I assume is kind of like their servant. Yeah, we'll get into Morgan in a bit, I think. But like, so he's not related to him. He's he's basically like a lurch or a... He's kind Adam's of playing lurch. He's kind of playing Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. He's an interesting element of this that I'm not totally sure what they're doing. Mm. Um, yeah. We'll talk about Eva Moore for a second. Like, I had to say, like, um, Brighton actress. So, yay. Uh, <laughs> but again, like, this is what's interesting about this film is it's filled with, like, these, like, old stage actresses. And they're all, like, weird, like, woven into, like, royalty of, act- of like, of stage at the time. Like, I think it's so weird to me that she's, like, acting in the 1890s or something. And then she's in, like, a horror film. From well, the would 30s. she have been, like, a vaudevillian actress at the time? Like, I guess so. Prior I think to she that. was just a stage actress, if I'm honest. Right. Like, but her her eldest daughter is the first wife of Laurence Olivier, which I oh, thought was quite okay. funny. Um, and uh, then, yeah, so Boris Karloff, again, obviously... He had to have Boris Karloff in his film. He'd just done Frankenstein. He gets head billing, as you said on the poster, uh, just Karloff. And he got Karloff his face. Do they even have his face on the poster? So Karloff's playing like the butler of the home. As you said, kind of lurch character. He's got prosthetics all on his face. They show that they kind of alleged that he had some sort of accident or something that kind of. Yeah, he's covered in scars, covered in cuts. Um, He doesn't talk, he just mumbles. Um, constantly. Oh, and he's an alcoholic. Apparently, he gets. And he's an alcoholic, and you get told he's an alcoholic continuously. Yeah, <laughs> like it's they they all the way through the movie. They're warning you about oh, when he has something to drink, it's the right problem. But then it's all right for the other guys to drink gin or go and get their whiskey yeah. from the car or whatever. Well, you know, <laughs> and they they keep yeah they keep this guy around, but he's a constant like threat to everyone. Well, because he's like twice the size of everybody. <laughs> It's 12 times the size of anyone. Suppose to round off the cast, you've got Saul as well, who's this character that that you keep sit, you keep coming across this door that's locked and you don't know who's in there or what's in there. And you think, oh, it's this... What is behind there? What can be worse looking than Morgan, like this giant brooting beast? But then this little guy comes out and you're like, what? And like... Yeah, so... Like they build him up like to a, be there's like... like a, there's like a story about how there's a... There's a Another something brother, evil older... in the house. There's yeah. something else revealed and stuff like that. And so eventually, yeah, as you're saying, when they go up to the third floor to grab the 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 thing, they learn about sort the existence of Saul, who's locked in the attic. And at some point, the evening, Morgan gets drunk, which was always like it was like Chekhov's gun of this film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, he gets drunk after a brawl with one of the um one of the guests. 
I think who's it's kind of with the main guy, isn't it? Melvin Douglas. So Roger Pendle. Mm-hmm. Um, they have they have a fight, and then Morgan kind of slumps off to unleash Saul <laughs> like on the house. And as you're saying, you think you're going to be met with like a an equally like Boris Karloff esque character, and it's not. It's this tiny weird man. <laughs> but I love how his intro- his introduction is that his hands on the banister rail, and you just see his hands yes. for a good five minutes. And it doesn't his hands move. Are kind of interlocked with Boris Karloff's hands. It's very was weird it? Shot. I can't remember that. But I just remember it being on the banister. But I was like, this is a weird lingering. <laughs> like, why is he just standing there? Why is it just a hand? <laughs> and then the other character. He's like a kind of like tiny little wily man, who isn't he? Like, yeah. Um, who first uh, first appearances gets um yeah. Like, oh, they locked me up jolly. in here. Yeah. They lock me up here, and I I just want to be nice and friendly and then, to everyone. And literally, then, literally, next thing was like, I'm going to kill you and burn the house down. <laughs> okay. Immediately, he takes a breath and he yeah. gets he gets a knife and starts chasing uh, Philip Waverton all the way around the house and starts. No, isn't stabbing. it Pen? It's Pendrel, isn't it? That he's chasing around. Is it Roger? Or is it it's, Philip? I got. I, I think, think it's, it's Pendrel because Pendrel's the Pendrel? one that oh, yeah, literally yeah, has right. a relationship yeah, 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 with yeah. the woman. And within, like, yeah, so, having one chat with her is going to propose to her. Oh, I fucking love that. We, we need to talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, th- what was really weird is at the end of the movie, they both take a tumble off. After setting fire to the, the drapes, they take a tumble off, like, the edge. And then um, Morgan's really sad that Saul's dead. <laughs> and yes. And Morgan's the only one that cares. So I was, stu- I was stuck there going, what's that about like, but is he dead what? because i have a feeling that no one died in the film i reckon he just got knocked out and he just put him back to bed like right like, maybe because pendrel yeah. didn't die pendrel was fine he just had like it's alive. they put some vinegar yeah. and brown paper on his head at the end pretty much <laughs> and then just, there's another there's another character so weird how like morgan really cared for him and i'm like what's that connection there it's it was like frankenstein and the um and the blind man yeah in in Bride of Frankenstein it was the same kind of connection which obviously James Well would do in like three years after this but it was like it was the proto that relationship and like was and I'm like thinking is Morgan hanging around because he's the only person who cares about Saul and he likes Saul like they're good friends or something like is that why he's here because it seems like no reason why he would they would keep him around or something it was and there then some the, suggestion of something going on with those characters more than like what they actually talk about, I think. And then the final character is the actual father of the Femme family, who is actually yeah. played by a fe- like an actress, like uh, yeah. So credited as John Dudgeon, but actually yeah. was played like yeah, but um, actually it was Elspeth um, Dugan. Elspeth Dugan, yeah. Doug, and, Doug, I, I'm sure I know what that name. But is, that but I, I thought the makeup was fantastic on her. So on her, good. it was so good. Yeah. So you have like this. They in, early in the film they introduce the idea that a hundred and two year old kind of like patriarch father, father yeah. yeah patriarch of the family is still in the house locked on the third floor and um when they go up to get the uh the lamp they hear these kind of weird whinings and screamings going on or something um i thought it sounded like a child but i, d- I don't know um but we yeah, enter this grand room of one of the houses it's got this is a huge huge oak carven room and at the end of it you've got this like four poster bed with this old wizened creature in it who I, I was I spent the whole time going 
that's a woman. Yeah. <laughs> like, but is it meant? Did is it not meant to be the father? Was it meant? And they were like, yeah, but they put a beard on her, so that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, apparently, the reason she was cast. And I, I, I got the quote somewhere, so I don't know if I, I might be able to have to scroll through and find it. Is it so they had someone skinnier or like a bit more? I don't know. No, according to Jay as well, it's because she's the oldest actor he knew. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if it was something from coming from theatre and obviously, you know, you've kind of got tradition with like, you know, uh, Shakespeare of having males playing female characters or like you know peter mm. pan like females playing peter pan and stuff i didn't know if it was something to do with that or i mean possibly i, I this the, all that i could find was like him saying like i needed someone to portray a centenarian like a hundred year old person and she was the oldest actress i knew so she was she 60 the job. at the time but that was <laughs> yeah but <laughs> like 60 was... then was like ancient do you know what i mean it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like have you seen like I, this we're going to the 80s but like in Cocoon, you know, they're all meant to be like 80 years old, but Wilford Bremley was like 40. <laughs> yeah, but that's Wilford Bremley. Like. <laughs> he was like 14. It's yeah. like... But it's like, um, apparently, this is a weird, the weird thing about this film is that they say they kept the gender, like her gender secret on set. Um, really? So that's why she was credited as John okay. in the set. But I'm like, no one would have looked at... <laughs> Yeah, it was like, that's like what was the show? Was it um, was it Midnight Mass where you were looking at the all the old people? And you're yeah, thinking, and going, no, that's a young up? person yeah. with old people makeup. I'm I'm pretty sure. <laughs> what are you trying to pull here? But yeah, like despite she, so she had a huge career in stage. Like um, at by the time she was sixty, she was doing this. So she'd been acting for years in England on the stage. This was one of her first credited movie appearances. I think it might have been, like, I'm not sure. It might have been a second credited appearance, even though she was credited under John. And this ignites a huge, like, later career for her. She's in tons of movies all the way oh, up awesome. to the 50s um, because of, like, her appearance in this, which for a 60-year-old actress in the 30s is really yeah. awesome. <laughs> you know, she ends up doing, like, The Foreign Correspondent, Pride and Prejudice, like, Canterville Ghost secret garden like like all these kind of like um yeah movies you've heard of and she does a number of james whale like she's in bride of frankenstein but she does like the showboat that he makes as well and things so they they clearly liked and worked with each other and i thought she was great in this movie and what a great reveal for her in that bed with the, her weird like her weird like like falsetto voice kind of lingering out of this odd maked up body in the bed like it just adds to like, the odd nature of this family, do you know what I mean? That they just stumbled upon and that nothing really quite makes sense in this what's going on in this house. Yeah. Especially because you've been warned. Like the whole time you've got Rebecca warning people of the evil, like old matriarch upstairs, and you meet him and he's quite a like nice, jolly, old like affable man who's just like a bit kind of old and tired and knows his family are like lunatics he's not like evil in any way shape or form he, mm. he's kind of just like well, his line is like this is an unlucky house um two of my children died when they were 20 and, 20, yeah. and then other, uh, then other things happened madness came like that's his big like little little speech he does and i i just thought that was such a good like 
reveal for what the hell was going on with this movie at <laughs> every any point. <laughs> so should we go through it a little bit? Ooh. Yeah, totally. I think actually, before we do actually, so I think what's also really interesting about this, and it's the first film I think we can really talk about it, is that this is definitely a pre-code movie. Like, oh yeah, no, you're hundred percent. And um, you can tell it's a pre-code movie, especially because the relationship between um, uh, you, you got the names earlier, and I'm going to forget them again. But um, it's a relationship between Roger Pendrel, Pendrel, and um, and Margaret Waverton. Is it? Yeah. No, no, no. It's not. It's Lillian Bond. It's Gladys Duquesne, whatever her name is. Yeah. So but um, not only that, you've kind of got the one woman getting changed as well, and she's kind of like in mm-hmm. her skimpies. In her skimpies. Yeah. I got a story about that actually. We'll t- we need to talk about. Okay. Um, so yeah, and then uh, their relationship <clears throat> when they go outside is they don't make any bones about it. Really, they don't show you much. They show like, but they they're very openly talking about that they're that they having like a sexual relationship. Basically, the idea yeah. is that they've gone out to the car, they've just had sex, and now they want to get married. Like in an instant, they're not they're not talking about like in hushed tones. They're not like kind of muting well, they the pretty much go about. do we have to go back to the house right now yeah exactly well, yeah he's like well i'd like um, to stay in the car with you for <laughs> quite some more <laughs> time and <laughs> i'd like to do a bit more in the car yeah, with you maybe yeah. lady i was picturing then the scene from the titanic then with the hand <laughs> yeah, the exactly. but to be fair though i don't think this car has any windows on the side because when they're driving at the beginning they're just getting pelted with right like it has a windscreen and that's it isn't it i, I mean i don't understand yeah. how old cars work do you not have any windows at the side i don't know is it just the back and know. the front because like just... when they're reading that map at the beginning and she's like well oh, this is useless and the, the map is just like this crumpled disheveled mess of just dripping and you got dripping melvin wet. douglas in the back of the car going having a bath having Sing a bath songs <laughs> I was just saying a line that Melvin Douglas says to uh, to um, Gladys when they're outside is... Oh no, she says it to him. Sorry. He goes, so you got your feet wet, talking about the fact because he lends her his shoes. Like, it's so dumb. It's like, they weren't walking soaking wet. She, he goes, oh, you're going to be like... You're going to catch your death, death of cold wearing those wet shoes. Put my shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> like, which, honestly... When I'm really cold, I don't need shoes. Shoes aren't like the thing that's making my feet cold. But then she literally then, like about ten minutes later, she gets those shoes wet again, and he has to take. Yeah, they go outside, and it's they go outside to get some whiskey, which fair play. Yeah. Um. They they get trapped outside, so they go to the car and they just start drinking whiskey and making out, and she and he realizes that her feet are wet again, and he goes, "So you got your feet wet?" And she goes, "Yes." And that's not all. And I'm like, hang on, <laughs> yeah. 1930s Hollywood. What's like? I was like, ooh, <laughs> I loved it. I was like, this is definitely like th- that line would not have been in a film like even two years later. I'm sure. Of it. Yeah, I mean, it's I, kind of, it's... but yeah. So if we're gonna start like how it starts, it starts off with that amazing. No, no, no universe. please. Before oh, I just want sorry. to talk about one more actor. Uh, this Go whole on. cast fascinates me. I just want to talk about one more person. Who else so is in the, the film? Gloria Stewart plays Margaret Waverton. Yeah. Uh, do you know what Gloria Stewart's really famous for? Without looking it up. I have a you feeling. Some, you know exactly I have a feeling it's something I watched 
yesterday, and I think I've just mentioned it briefly. <laughs> was she the old lady in Titanic? Yes. Well, she yes. was. Yes. She's the old lady in Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she, this is obviously her, the other end of her career. <laughs> like, and um, she's a fascinating person. She's an absolutely, absolutely fascinating person. And I found an old interview with her from 97. So 97, obviously she does Titanic her whole career, like gets started, gets analyzed by people and, and people are wanting to interview her and stuff like that, you know, and get and get her like thoughts about what new Hollywood is versus old Hollywood and things. And um, I found an interview with her. I can't remember who did the interview now. I haven't got it written down. But they're talking to her about this movie. And um, and apparently, like, she was really um, integral to the invention of the Screen Actors Guild in 33. Uh, she was one of the persons who was uh, picketing all the time. And they were always, like, fighting for more rights until they got it all the union set up for um, for the Screen Actors Guild, which is still going to today. And she says that that was all because of working on this film. And uh, and uh, she would say that, like, uh, the only two Americans working on the on the um, film were her and uh, Douglas. And Douglas plays, um, you know, uh, Roger Pendrell. So they were the only two Americans in the whole cast. And the English cast would break for tea at 11 and 4 each day. And the two <laughs> Americans weren't offered this. So a quote from her is James talking as James Whale. James joined all the English actors. So on one side of the set you had they they were going for their elevenses and fourses. And Melvin and I would just be sitting together, not invited. And one day Melvin says to me, Do you think we should we be interesting forming like a union? And she's like, what's a union? And he explains like in New York they have actors' equity and the, they can get better working conditions. And she's like, Oh, this is wonderful. And you know, she says how like She's getting up at 5 a.m. each morning to do makeup and screen tests and wardrobe and hair. And by the time it gets to 10 o'clock, she's on set. But she she might not be needed until like midnight that day. And she'll be on set until like four o'clock the next morning or stuff. And you don't get paid overtime. And, and she was just like, yeah, we do need a union or something. This is really hard work. Um, so they had a meeting to talk about getting overtime to shoot on this and to and to make like eight hours day like a, a standard thing and not and not like and if you're going to work beyond that to get overtime so she starts working for SAG and starts picketing and and getting people to sign up and canvassing everywhere and she she says it's all because of the old dark house and their 11s and fourses that she was jealous of and all because of us Brits stuff. loving a good cup of tea. <laughs> loving two cups of tea. <laughs> I, if I remember, go like, I think that was a big issue as well. Like we've already spoke about Titanic, but um, I was watching the making of Aliens, and mm. like James Cameron couldn't abide the how the British kept stopping for tea. Yes, every couple yes, of you're hours. Right. You're right. That's it's it's he he swore you're never going to work in Aliens again because the crew would actually get breaks <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't yeah it's like couldn't couldn't work for it. yeah but he um she and she said talking of working with james she said um it was wonderful working with him he was a brilliant director he would come to the set every morning with a script and on the blank side of the script he would work out all the setups that that he was going to do that the night before he was really precise he knew where he wanted the camera knew where it wanted to go 
and for film directors at the time he she says that was completely unusual like people would not do that people would not think about movies to do it that way because they were all been silent directors so they weren't used to stage and dialogue they weren't used to cutting sets and and working with actors and she says that she puts it down to the fact that James Whale was an actor at some point, you know, stage mm-hmm. actor. So he knew how to talk to actors. He knew how to kind of work with them and to get the best out of them on set. And um, she felt like um, she 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 and she felt really shit about doing film. She thought she was slumming it, basically. She but she wanted to do stage acting. But working with James made her comfortable to do it. Yeah, it made a, her like appreciate working with working on film and it wasn't like slumming. And also I can imagine as well that main room that they're in for like I'd say 80% of the film it feels like yeah. one big theater set like with the big staircase like at the back of them and the big dinner table and a lot of the action happens around there anyway so I can imagine it felt a lot like being on a plane yeah. anyway. And Maybe right. I don't know. <clears throat> Some other like insights from her, this interview is so good. Some other insights from her is uh she says that even though she loved James Whale as a director, she didn't really understand all the methods to the madness. And one thing was, um, when she gets in, she changes into a, a like a thinner gown. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's like, I'm just coming like soaking wet. Why have you put me in like a thinner little cut? Like she calls it a pink, a pale pink silk velvet gown, like why would I change into this right now with jewellery? And she's like, because Gloria, when Boris chases you through the house, I want you to appear like a white flame. <laughs> um, and she goes, okay, James, I'm a white flame, but I still don't understand it. <laughs> like, which I look like just this little argue, like why change down to my, my like my, my smalls. Um, and uh, apparently that when Boris chased around set, there was a huge amount of people on set that day. She says, Oh, <laughs> I bet. I bet. and the other thing she says about Ernest Esker she says like all the stuff about like the dinner table all his lines was not in the script it was all this like him and James would sit off set joke about stuff he would he would like a form of improv but he would bring like witty sardonic little ways to say stuff he would joke about stuff on set and then come to the table and do the like potato and stuff like that and and he would bring all these little kind of elements i think him throwing the flowers into the fireplace was just james and Ernest kind of joking about it offset and deciding let's do this like she says none of that was in the script whatsoever it was all them just enjoying what they were doing enjoying working together and she said it was a wonderful set to work on she she really does go on and on on how much she loved making this film and uh, she has really fond memories of it and uh and I just think that was awesome (laughs) like I just was like she then at the end she relates it back to like Titanic she says how like these are the two little films that I'm working with an actual like auteur I'm working with a like a populist like like a a great filmmaker at both times she says James Whale is a cult figure in England and she says that I wish he would have more rep rep, um more um uh stance in the US as well because his films are individual they're imaginative they're witty he was an actor a cartoonist a newspaper man he had everything he had so much talent and uh he's my favorite actor i've ever worked my favorite director i've ever worked for she then stops and goes well apart from james cameron obviously like, <laughs> like, <laughs> but technically. do you know what I've, I've i've been meaning to re-watch gods and monsters it's been a long time since mm. I, I watched that film but i do I it's do a wonderful wonderful i wonder how yeah. how many like of these actors that he uses are like portrayed by other actors within the film 
Say that again, sorry. Like how many, like if there's like any of the actors within his films are like portrayed within the film by other actors. I think Ernest Thesker appears in Gods and Monsters, I think. Okay. I think... I think it, you might get something out of it now actually watching quite a few James Whale movies. I think you might actually start seeing those little bits. I'm just looking at the... So you've got Boris Karloff as a character. As a, Jack Betts plays yeah. Boris Karloff. Arthur Dingham plays Ernest Thesinger. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, I, I do want to re- re-watch that. It's definitely worth watching. It really yeah. is. I do. I like Bill Condon as a director as well. So Me too. So, Even like his Twilight movie. They're just batshit crazy and that's what I like them. <laughs> like you don't go and watch those films thinking you're going to get, I don't know, Academy Award winning films. You know what I mean? You just watch it because it's a silly little yeah. werewolf vampire. You're going to have a nice time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, should we go through this film? Yeah, sure. Like but I just thought it was interesting talking about Gloria. And I think oh yeah, like definitely. Getting her representations of the film at time is something you don't normally get. And it's all down to the fact that she was cast as the old lady in Titanic. That like people started <laughs> wanting to ask her questions about stuff, which I thought was wonderful. And also, she actually didn't die. She she died probably about ten years ago, something like that. I so, think so she's, yeah. she had yeah. a good life. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I wish she didn't throw that jewel off the Titanic, though. You know, uh, mistake. But mistake. don't worry, the guy that was dating Britney Spears in that music video got it back. What? <laughs> That's gone over my head. In, in I think it's crazy. In the vid- music video for crazy, the music stops, and then there's a scene of the boy in that video die, like getting the jewel of the whatever that's called, the jewel of the sea. Is it? Um, heart, and heart of the ocean, Britain, heart of the sea, heart of the ocean, jewel of the sea, <laughs> um, jewel of the sea. <laughs> that's like the cut price version (laughs) and uh he gives it to uh he he gives it to like britney spears and she's like oh my god did you dive down to get it for me (laughs) and And he's like yeah when i got it when the old lady threw it off the boat so i I gave it to you okay and that's why crazy the music video is a sequel to the movie to the titanic (laughs) all right just bear with me two seconds I'm sure. just having a little. Uh... Oh, I see. So they're at... are they at a drive-in? They're at diner. She's getting changed. She's getting ready. She's got a green top on. They're dancing. They're pouring shots. Oh no! It's upside did it again. Not crazy. Oh. It's upside did it again. Upside did it again. Oh, it's her in the red catsuit. So this song is a banger, I have to say. <laughs> it's a good song. Oh, look how look how like early two thousands this video is. Oh, he's walking on the moon. Or no, he's on Mars. He's found a picture of. He's found a picture of her wearing the same outfit she was wearing in Crazy though. Oh my. Okay, it's around. It's around two minutes. Two 50. minutes. Spin through, spin through space. Oh, she's in white latex now. I'm gonna leave all this in. <laughs> oh, she's doing. She's that spinning effect was amazing. 
Yeah, she spins into some great streetwear of 2002. Yeah, and then his head went really big. But somehow the power of Britney Spears makes it so you can breathe in space. That's what's going on there. I've, I've never seen this music video. I've never seen this. Britney, before you go, there's something I want you to have. Oh, it's beautiful. But wait a minute, isn't this? Yeah, yes it is. But I thought the old lady dropped it into the ocean in the end. Well, baby, I went down and got it for you. Oh, you shouldn't have. Amazing. <laughs> anyway, all right. Let's talk about the story of this film. <laughs> um, yeah, the story of this film. So it starts off with know. them driving in torrential weather. Yeah, was it they keep saying it's, it's it's raining? Du- no, was it they keep saying raining buckets? Raining buckets. Yes. I don't know. They mentioned some place names in Wales, but it wasn't anything I recognised. I, yeah. I don't know if they were just making up Welsh names. <laughs> there is a... Because, yeah, it's pissing it down. The guy in the back seat won't stop being joking asshole, which I just think is not appreciated in this situation. Um, and... I mean, you don't find out... landslide. You don't find out, where, like, why they're all together or where they're going, do you, necessarily? Yeah. No. No, no. I think... So you've got... Um, in the back seat, you've got Melvin Douglas playing Roger Pendrel, who seems... To, he's just like a cad. Kind of yeah. like a post-World War One cad. Like, he's got the, the facial hair and everything and the accent. Like. And then in the front seat, you have uh, Raymond Massey playing Philip Waverton and Gloria Stewart playing Margaret Waverton as well. And um, they're newlyweds, I believe. I guess that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing... Roger and Philip maybe met in World War One. I, I think, I think you get some elements of that. Maybe why they know each other because obviously one's American, one's British, and they're mm-hmm. in Wales for some reason. But all that's kind of unsaid. It doesn't really exist in the script. It's all just kind of there for you to interpret on I think, more than anything else. And um, yes. Yeah, so what I mean, what happens? They um, well, they manage to avoid like a landslide, pretty much, and uh, they. I get trapped in some boggy water. That car, though, is like I'm surprised of the train it's managing to like, to like drive over. To be honest, I don't think my car would deal with that train very well. My little Vauxhall Corsa. Oh, mine won't because the battery's dead. Oh, <laughs> well, I think the battery's dead. It won't start. That's can't, as far as I've got. You can't get anyone to jump it for you. Um, I don't know how to jump a car. So. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. We've never done it before. <laughs> no. Oh, you're in for a treat. Um, like I said, so though, I don't that, have any cables or anything, so I don't know. The uh, the map reading bit, I I I did enjoy. Like it, th- at that moment, I realised, oh, is this a comedy? Yeah, and yeah. that's when yeah. it struck me that this is supposed to be a funny film as well as being like, I guess, scary. I guess. Yeah, uh, people keep calling it scary. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it not didn't... really. It's. It's funny. It's meant to be funny. I'm sure it, it's camp as fuck. Oh yeah, like, I mean, even the even the wind is camp in this film. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> literally, the whole film goes. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 sardonic. Is that the old word that they would use? It it really I guess is. So, yeah. just, it like it, it it feels like there's an old queen in the corner telling you this story. <laughs> And, be, and taking the piss out of it at the same time. 
Like, Sorry if that's reductive. Like the actual like sound. It feels of... that Ernest Thesiger is doing his needle work and telling you this old story and just taking the piss. <laughs> I mean, I'm quite surprised with how much they kind of did the sound of the wind and the rain because it's literally non-stop from the moment the film mm-hmm. starts till it ends until the morning I guess you literally do yeah. hear the rain pelting on the on the house and the, just the, the, the as we said the camp wind but it's even like yeah. when they knock on the door um, they joke about it being scary they're like yeah they're, <laughs> can, they're like can you imagine if the door opens and there's just corpses everywhere <laughs> Yeah, and then flipping Lurch from the Adams family opens the door. Opens the door, and he mumbles to them. He goes or whatever, and when it shuts, one of them's like, "I think Welsh even sounds more articulate than that, or something." <laughs> yeah. he, has, he has a joke about it, like, and I'm just, I was on board with that. Honestly, those two jokes, I was like, "All right, I'm, I'm kind of with this, <laughs> with whatever the hell's going on." <laughs> I mean, I will, I will say this: I enjoyed the film quite a lot. I I failed to see what the point was by the end of it. I get I understand like yeah, lots I of little you. bits between in between the, what they're trying to say. But by the end of the film I don't like we're pretty much in the same spot as when the film starts with the character like kind of apart yeah. from some of nature there and they've decided to get married or whatever but like yeah <laughs> we'll get into that. It's just a ta- it's like it is just a tale. It's just in, it's in more like we are it's more like, you know, you've gone to the pub. Let me tell you about this crazy night I had a couple yeah. of weeks ago. When I, but it is that like, that's why crazy it's so storm. weird that it feels like it's taking the piss. It feels like it's yeah. gone. You know this story. You've heard it a billion times. Like, I'm doing it this way. I'm doing it firmly with my tongue in my cheek. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that it's so early. It's weird that like this might be yeah. one of the first times they're doing this story and he's taking the piss. It's That's such a weird element of this movie. That, like, I think maybe that's why it plays so much better now than it probably did in the 30s, I'm guessing. Well, I guess, like, some directors are a bit ahead of what the audience are, are ready to watch. And mm. I'm guessing he was at this in this instance, yeah. I guess, maybe. He's an old um, stage guy. Maybe it was just that's what he's pulling from. Like, yeah. This, really, that's why he's taking the piss off. He's just, he, I don't think, in a lot, a lot of ways, I don't know if James Whale. I think he just thought of it as story making, whether it was movies or stage. I yeah, think that was it's all the same. He was still doing the same stuff, hiring the same actors, hiring like people he likes to work with. I think he took it as seriously, really, and I guess that's what he was kind of bringing to this. I'm completely guessing. I don't know, but anyway, like yeah. So they do eventually get invited into the house, and they're first introduced by a man who <laughs> looks like an evil character yeah. of a man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at his look at his. Um... Uh, Wikipedia profile picture. It's like a creepy drawing. <laughs> it's like like disheveled that, man. Um, the portrait of him by William Rankin, who uh, they they probably had a relationship. I think is what I can read between right. the lines. Is wonderful. It's such a wonderful fucking image of like this gaunt like man with gloves and a cape and like a hat and stuff like that. He's just out of another era. Anyway, yeah, Ernest Ernest comes down the stairs and he's doing everything. He's chewing every line of dialogue. Oh, he's yeah. just there's, there's every ham. single bit of it. There's literally ham in the film and I'm like <laughs> and like <laughs> it's he, roast beef. It was roast, roast beef. beef. Damn it. Charles won't, Damn it. <laughs> Charles Lothar won't shut up about it being roast beef. <laughs> but yeah, he ate all that ham, that roast beef. <laughs> which did. I'm saying is ham. 
He literally came down the stairs with a ham sandwich. <laughs> it's incredible, and he's he gives you everything. He gives you it gives you absolutely everything. Um, he starts uh, he starts being scared about the idea of there's a storm going on. And he's like, and he, he gets quite worried about the fact that they might not survive the night with this storm. And then his sister takes the piss out of him and says, even the the butler guy um, knows that we're built on solid rock, so we're fine here. Which, I I love okay. how all this family, like so, him and his sister, they're constantly saying something, and then they backtrack on it, like literally <laughs> the next sentence. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't come in here. You can't come in here. Come and sit down and okay. have some. It's like, where are we? Hang on, what's going on? I love how she was constantly like, um, you can't come here. You can't come here. No bed. No, no bed, bed, no bed, <laughs> no bed. <laughs> but anyway, Ernest quickly gets the gin out. Um, he offers everyone a nice gin, <laughs> so he's 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 in for the evening. Um, and uh, the sister, oh, the joke about the sister is she's very deaf. Yes, that is going on throughout the whole thing, and she's an odd one, is to put it lightly. Very pious old lady. Um, obsessed with doesn't like electric lights. Yeah, candles. Um, her her room's like covered in like you know pictures of Queen Victoria, and I think there's more little things that I can't quite remember about it. Um, it's not actually her room though; it's her sister's room, isn't it? One of her oh, sisters, it is her sister's died. room. Yeah. Um. So she yeah, because she recounts like a story of her childhood. Whilst looking in that warped mirror, which I thought that's, was really that was cool. awesome because the way it kept cutting yeah. back and each shot was different. I was like, yeah. you know, they could have like, like you know, any other filmmaker would have just left that as a master or a wide, yeah, and right. wouldn't have bothered cutting. But you know, James Whale had you know had the foresight to kind of show it through like a broken window, so it's all warped and distorted, and it's so cool. You know, the the cinematography in this film. I don't know who the cinematographer was. Who was it? It was Arthur Edison. Arthur Edison. Let's see what he's he done. Did. Well, he, he did, did Frankenstein. Yeah, Maltese Falcon, Casablanca. So I think, I think <laughs> he knew what he was doing. He, he knew, knew what he was doing. So got to give him some props because if he's worked on those films, he obviously, you know, knows a thing or two about a thing or two. Sure. And yeah, I I have to assume him and Whale worked close together because this film is just fucking lighting mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what's going on in this film it is shadows it is shadows at the forefront of the picture it's shadows at the back it's it's shadows telling the story it's it's everything it's all about well it even has shadow puppetry in it you know yeah, yeah exactly yeah it's brilliant you know the um, bit but, i will get to it later on it's not it's not just yet okay so yeah she's saying that like she's very pious and her sister was a slut basically <laughs> And um, she, then she cackles at the, the fact that she's dead. Um, at that point, she introduces her very elderly yeah, father she, upstairs. Like. Yeah, she's very religious, and she even wants to bless the the beef, doesn't she? Later on at the dinner <laughs> yes. table, and stuff. which um, Festiger takes the piss out of her for like, oh god, you have to do your fucking prayers. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that um, bit though, like where the the woman she opens the window for whatever reason, and it's like, yeah caning it in with you know all kinds of weather but you know she can't close it apparently they can open the front door and that and they're fine with it but for some reason they can't open and close windows that's very difficult <laughs> there's um there's a re- the really quite creepy bit now which i think's one of the weird i think it's one of the statements he's when 
when they say this book is about class differences and this book <laughs> is about like an ex- expl- exploration of post-war like Britain uh, fascinating that this is the movie that that's the book description um I think one of the elements is this bit where he, she kind of slut shames um it you know Gloria Stewart Margaret talking about her legs and stuff yeah she's that talking bit. about her legs uh she's she's saying how like She's basically saying that, oh, I can see you. You love just sleeping with the men, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I yeah. know your type. You're you're always sleeping with men. I can see the way you dress, and you know that shit on you will rot. Like, she's pointing. To oh her yeah, she's like the, touching the her silks. skin. You know. Yeah, and then she yeah she moves her hand from the silk skin, of the gown. Saying, that will like, eventually. Like, the, like, and then she points to her skin and goes, "That will rot as well eventually." Kind of thing. It's that's quite creepy. It's yeah. quite weird. <laughs> um, it's that is really like quite threatening as well. Like. And it's it's weird that that element happens in private. It's only between the two women. It's not shared with the rest of the house, really. It only plays into the fact that the only person who's ever really in danger in this film is, like, Gloria Stewart, who, like, who enters this house and then gets threatened constantly by the old lady and then the butler kind of thing. Um, up until later where, like, Soul comes in. It just seems to be that she's, like, the one that's getting scared by this. She's mm-hmm. the one who maybe they're considering her low class they're considering her working class or something they're considering maybe that she married above her grade or something there's something unsaid about the way that they're treating that character that i can see might have been an element of like an original plot or something i don't think it's written out in this film as text but i think in meta text it's kind of is there it's it's a weird for to talk about the way because it's so funny it's such a funny film but there is i think it is weirdly there I guess <laughs> it's very thin. Like I, I can imagine it wasn't at the forefront of James Whale's mind while making no, this film. I don't no. think. But, but, it, but it's it like anything you you can kind of any film you can say anything about and kind of find whatever you want to find if you want if you sure. look really hard. But I, I do agree. It's, it is there, but it's just not as much as they kind of say it's there when you're like reading about the film. Or the... Sure, and I think it's more. I'm thinking about it because it is a work of adaptation. So, mm-hmm. at some point, that what that adaptation gets into, it's baked into the plot. It's you know yeah. baked into what they're doing. It just might not be presented in that way. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of what's happened. Is all that stuff is that massively baked into this weird lens of this story that we're now telling it through. I guess. Yeah. But anyway, quickly we're interrupted by two more guests, um, who. Well, they, they're having Very, dinner first, aren't they? That's the, when we have this great dinner scene when they're like, potato. Potato. Have a potato. Um, yeah, so uh, William, Sir William Porterhouse and his kind of girlfriend, uh, Gladys Duquesne, kind of burst in again. Um, William Porterhouse is again one... Is an interesting character, I think. <laughs> I think William Porter is played by Sir Charles Lawton. He pl- he's playing it very northern, very Yorkshire. Yeah, uh, he's um he loves the fact that having roast beef, he won't shut up about it, and even sings a little roast beef song, which I wish I could remember what it is, but he does sing a little song about the roast beef. <laughs> you could almost picturing being like a butcher in like Old Coronation Street or something like that. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. that kind of like that kind There's- of character. Again, that kind of social stuff about the baked in plot is 
definitely with Sir William Porterhouse because he talks about the fact that um, he had his dead wife was um, lambasted for uh, her. She was like a working class woman that she he married and all the kind of people in her, his class would laugh at her and laugh about her clothes and laugh about her kind of her ways. That's what like I was saying. Was, I think... I think that conversation when they're all kind of sitting, they've said basically they're all sitting around talking to each other, saying we've been talking for hours, but we don't know a thing or two about you know, yeah. each other at all. And that's kind of when he goes into that story, and you can definitely see it coming into the story then at that point. Yeah, it's definitely that little element of oh, okay, right, okay, they're doing that. I see it. Um, so it's like he has a he basically has like a a vengeance or something against the kind of like the people that led his wife to die kind of thing mm-hmm. like so he hates the kind of what the upper classes and stuff and so he comes in with that very he's jollily working class isn't he like i know he's sir william porterhouse but he comes in being very kind of like salt of the earth i think like and he's with this kind of good-hearted like woman on his arm who he's not really romantically involved with they seems like they're just sleeping together basically is what i'm saying um but they're very kind of comfortable with their emotions with each other. It's never like a thing like I'm oh, I'm cheating on Sir William with you. It's never that said. It's just like, oh, yeah, we're just kind of mates who sleep together. Like, really, it's kind of more presented that way. Than well, I mean, like, it, more, you know, like later on when he finds out that he's fallen in love with. Um, uh, what's it? Pen, what's his name? Pen, pen, Pendrel, Pen, 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 Pendrel, Pendrel. Pen, yeah. pen, he's pen, just pen. like. Yeah, I'm just you know I just don't think it's a good idea or something like yeah. pretty to that that extent he doesn't really care. He's kind of like oh God. I've known I've known Gladys for ages. Like I don't know. <laughs> like, she always but, does this. Like I don't yeah, know. Like he's very much like oh, she might come back. I might see her in a couple of years. You know she'll knock at my door again and and we'll be together again kind of for a while. It seems to be that it's which again this is. A, I think is more of a pre-code thing. I think you wouldn't get away with how just openly this is about, like, like the. the well, the, I, you know, after the code, I think you know you either have, you if you can have a relationship in a film, it's very chaste and it's they've got to be married. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's yeah, like you know, as you said, they can't be friends with benefits, basically, which yeah. they pretty much are in this film. Yeah, he's just he's she's basically his escort or something. You know, yeah. they get along. It's it's kind of nice honestly like um and sir william's great he's basically he's like a, a big kind of jolly character who's trying to get everyone to have a good time even himself like he's trying he's like he's trying to will himself into being happy he's kind of like what his kind of vibe is really well it's so like they're in such a si- by the beef and stuff like they're that. in a shitty situation it's terrible weather they're in this grotty cold house you know yeah gotta make the most of it yeah exactly he's definitely the most we he's the most we learn about any character I think, yeah really definitely like I, you know the main character i think what's his name um i'm so bad with names well roger oh. pendrel's the main guy but not pendrel yeah. but the other guy is it philip philip waverton philip you waverton know, is a blank slate you literally know nothing about this guy <laughs> no. whatsoever <laughs> we know that philip he's, waverton is married to margaret waverton and he's like basically what we know <laughs> i'd say he's the only character in the main cast I suppose the only thing he does is he goes and gets the lamp. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it, really. But the only guy he play, like, yeah, the only guy he talks to is um, 
well, I'm so bad with names. But yeah, so he, you know, he talks to Horace. But Horace like leaves him to his own devices for pretty much half of that conversation. Yeah, yeah. That that yeah. scene, I should say. Anyway, the dinner scene is a triumph in one of my yep. favorite scenes in the movie by far. Um and uh they yeah, we say we they guess each other's identity, they start trying to guess about things upstairs, but um two of them kind of get trapped upstairs a little bit. Uh, but then Roger and uh, Gladys decide they want to get drunk and he's like, well, I've got some whiskey in the car. Shall we go get or go get the whiskey? Um, when they go outside, uh, it's definitely the thing. He shuts the door like Boris Morgan. That's his name, isn't it? Yeah, Morgan, Morgan. Boris Karloff. He basically locks them outside and uh, they end up spending most of the movie hiding from the rain in the car and making out basically <laughs> getting drunk and making out <laughs> has the lights gone out in the house at this point uh, no the lights get out just after this right. just after they get locked outside yeah so that yeah the light the the lights get out and you have a very extended scene for this film about them arguing about how to get light into the room downstairs so well, rebecca's it- like there's that big lamp upstairs. Go get the big lamp. What well, doesn't Horace keep saying? We have our own electricity. It's very complicated, or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. What? What are you going on about? I, I think, I think Professor was just talking on set. Just, just talking nonsense. <laughs> just, just it'll just go. Fair yeah. Enough. So they talk about the fact on the third floor there's a giant lamp, and they can go get that gas lamp. Um, but, but um, Horace refuses to go up there. Well, like, I just—I love like, the conversation he has. He's like, "How about? How about we pretend <laughs> <how about? laughs> we got up there and we couldn't find it, and we'll come back and we'll be all right." And he's like, and then he's like, "Well, how about you go up there yourself?" And he goes, uh, "Is the lamp heavy?" And he goes, "No, it's very light." And he's, then he's like, Ooh. "Yeah, because he's like, going. I shouldn't have look seen. at me. Look at me. I can't carry Carried. this. It's so yeah, yeah. big. Like I can't lift it. I, I'm too. I'm too frail to lift it. Like." You though, you're a strapping man. You could, you could, you could grab it and lift it. And he's like, "What is it? Weigh a load?" And he's like, "No, it's very light, actually." <laughs> like, oh yeah, we've we just... neglected to to say though that um, Gladys, as she's walking out of the house after being locked out, she sees Morgan in the kitchen just getting pissed and just like smashing yeah. shit. Yeah, like throughout the film, any time Morgan's not on screen, the other characters are going, where's Morgan? Oh no, he's drinking. It's that <laughs> proper like poochy thing. Like it's like they keep going, oh you don't want it, you don't want Morgan when he's drunk, he's a right terror. Like, and they keep hinting at the fact that he's like, just turns into an asshole <laughs> drunk. <laughs> like, he's obviously not a family member, so why do they keep him on staff if he's like this bad? <laughs> This is why something is going on between Morgan and Saul. I don't right, know what okay. it is, but that something is going on. Because they, that's the only explanation. Because they imply that he's, I don't know, I don't. I'm pretty much. They say he's like a simpleton, don't they? Or yeah, or something yeah, to that effect. yeah. Like as they're we said, 19, he doesn't. Nineteen thirties. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't say a word. He just mumbles and grunts, pretty much, and yeah. just lurches around. But he's like, that's why it's weird because he doesn't. We'll get there, I guess. But he doesn't unlock. He doesn't go to get Saul out of an out of like vengeance. He just goes to get Saul because he wants Saul not to be locked up. That's. Do you think so? Like, 
I don't think he's like, I'm going to get Saul out of his cupboard uh, to kill you all. I don't think that's... I don't know, because, really. well... I don't, like, why else would he get him out? Like, I don't know. I think it I is, think because... I think he's always getting Saul... I think he's always letting Saul out. I think just likes to hang out his drinking buddy with him. <laughs> yeah, I think he's friends with him, and he doesn't like the idea that Saul's locked up all the time. And I think when he gets drunk, he he gets emotional about his friend is locked up in the cupboard <laughs> so he lets Saul out and I think that's why it's always terror anytime he gets drunk because he smashes the house up and then lets the crazy brother out who always tries to <laughs> burn the house set down fires the house. so is it at this point then that Peter comes uh, uh, Philip sorry comes down the stairs oh no because Morgan has tried to attack Gloria at this uh, Margaret at this point yeah so yeah, so you you have the thing where where like Horace and Philip go up to get the lamp and they have the whole conversation about who's actually going to grab it. Horace comes back downstairs and by the time you get downstairs you get um you get Margaret being chased around by first <laughs> Rebecca and then yes, Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then being chasing her around downstairs and throwing shit everywhere. And, and then back upstairs Philip then finds this room like where when he gets like the gas powered lamp or whatever it is yeah. he finds a room that's all locked up and he's like mm, what's going on here and then when he comes well, down no. the st- yeah he does he sees the room and then he comes downstairs sees the fact that um that uh, Margaret's, Margaret's being chased, chased and he gets involved and him and Morgan have a big old fight a big old scrap <laughs> he literally just throws the lamp at him and knocks him down the <laughs> yeah. stairs yeah, and, and Morgan ends up yeah, Morgan ends, ends up getting knocked down the stairs and passes out. Yeah, that's kind of how that ends. And then they decide, Morgan, sorry, Philip then tells uh, Margaret about the weird noise he heard upstairs, and goes like, "Why don't we go open the door upstairs and find <laughs> out what it is?" <laughs> which I don't know, so that's I a separate know. door to Saul's door, which is locked up. Yes. 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 I don't think we ever see Saul's door. You do. It's locked do up, you? and it's yeah. And there's a plate of food behind it, and that's the that's the room oh, yeah. that, that he finds the gas powered lamp or whatever from. Yes, that's right. Because that's why yeah, cause Horace to... doesn't want to go up there because that's Saul's. Yeah, because you're getting too close to Saul's door, and who knows what happens. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're they've some heavy petting outside, and they're getting married. <laughs> <laughs> No, they're not getting married. He's like, he hasn't told her yet. It's something I want to tell oh, yeah, her in yeah. the morning. I'm going to tell her in the she morning. She doesn't know this, but we're going to get married. We're going to get married. <laughs> he literally family. does say that. <laughs> yeah, he says it to the guy, you know, he says it to um, William Porthouse. There's something I haven't told her. And he's like, oh yeah, what's that? <laughs> and he goes, we're going to get married. <laughs> Will you come to the wedding? <laughs> William Porthouse is like, what the fuck? What? What's going on? Like... <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so this is a, such a short film though because then they open the door, they find the very, very weird old man in the bed who's actually not very weird. He's just kind of like a nice old man. Yeah. <laughs> a bit mad. He's 102. Bit of a Lopan look. You remember Lopan at the end of... Well, you know, the old yeah, Lopan sure, like, in... Um, yeah, old Lopan. Uh, should, should we recount the stories of when we met Lopan? <laughs> I think we've no. already talked about no. it. <laughs> I think we've already done that. <laughs> um... Yeah, his madness came and and then he reveals that although I am a weird element, unseen element of this house that you, the plot promised, I am not actually the 
weird unseen element <laughs> the plot promise there's another <laughs> weird unseen element and that's my that's another brother Saul um, so that's the son that's uh, Roderick's son then of the son yeah so yes. Rod, as far as I understand Roderick had four children Rebecca killed one of them <laughs> and the other one Saul I don't know why Saul I mean, gets locked up <laughs> all of these children look as old as Sir Roderick <laughs> you know they're all fucking old well, <laughs> um, and yeah Horace is wanted by the police for crimes unspecified <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah they all say ah and it's not good when Morgan drinks also Saul uh, so they're kind of they're back downstairs and they're, in, they're talking to like the other people in like the, the parties and saying we met this really old man who's got a weird high voice uh, also there's like another brother here and then they realise Morgan's gone uh, he got up he got, he's not passed out anymore and uh, he unlocked and behind him as you say there's that bit where there's just a hand on the banister <laughs> so at which point though does William and Philip they go into the other room oh they go to they close, close a window don't they and they get locked out yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's a bit before that's, that's kind of when they go get the whiskey at that point Oh, is it okay? Because they well, they're trying yeah. to break down the door for ages, aren't they? And then yeah. the two girls lock themselves inside of a. Yeah, that's so that's stairs. after then. Yeah, ah, okay. so Morgan then Morgan then reappears and he attacks basically, and the girls run under the stairs and lock themselves in that cupboard, and then William and Philip are fighting Morgan. And it's a proper like wrestling match. For the oh yeah, house. Philip like, gets a few punches in, I think, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're, they're, it's proper like table over and crashing everywhere and chairs everywhere and stuff like that and smashing through doors and stuff like that. It's a proper like kind of ridiculous fight. Um, then at that point, after they're crashing around, I think they eventually subdue him. He eventually gets knocked out. I can't actually remember how Morgan gets knocked out. Always just drunk and falls asleep. I don't know, but eventually Saul is revealed himself, and he looks like a tiny version of Buster Meredith. <laughs> he does actually, <laughs> doesn't he? Yeah, Buster Meredith's already small. This is how the reveal of Saul is baffling. <laughs> like, it's so weird. It's He's not just what a I che- cheeky old little man, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I guess and, though, like, well, like you've already got Horace is weird looking, as is Morgan. Like, where else can you go from there? You kind of got to do something yeah. that kind of like, you know, like changes your expectations of the film. Like, you like, oh, it, it throws you, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe he's okay. Yeah, it did it work because I was thinking, oh, yeah. maybe he is. Maybe he's like the the sane one in the house. Yeah, and turns out he's not. <laughs> Well, it's kind. Of, what is funny, I and mean, it's it's a it's a product of this film being like just over an hour long, um, is the fact that Saul does. Oh, his heel whole, turn like, is like it's like yeah, that. It's it's within seconds. Like, he's he goes immediately. He's like no 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 no. Like like my sister Rachel, she killed my other sister, and and they're the and Morgan's like the devil incarnate, and they just want to lock me up and punish me just because like I don't like them or something i can't remember what he says and then um 
so Roger's like, well, uh, that's terrible. I'm, I must help you or something. And then immediately goes, oh, actually, I'm evil. <laughs> like, yeah, picks up a, a knife off the floor and literally throws it at him. Yeah, literally chucks it at <laughs> him, yeah. No, uh, that's after, because first he gets him to come sit at the table, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, he, He's got, chat. like, the carving knife, and he's like, come sit at the table. And uh, he has an obsession with fire, if you remember. He goes on yep. and on about the fire. And then... um. He keeps asking what's who's what's in that door and it's where the girls have hidden. He goes, What's in that door? What's in the door? And Philip refuses to sorry, Roger refuses to reveal like who's behind there. And when Roger's leaving like leaning to get like a fire poke or something, I think. And and Saul catches him and properly chucks a knife at him that lands in the chair the behind chair. him. Um and then whilst cackling he runs over and beats the fuck out of Roger with a chair <laughs> yeah there's some good chair it's action like, like Roger uses yeah. a chair as a shield and the other yeah. one's using it as a weapon it's, it's good stuff he absolutely destroys this chair on Roger and then whilst cackling he runs upstairs to set fire to, <laughs> to the big tapestry on the wall but what I love yeah. is though that Pendrel gets up there and he's tr- like it's real fire and he's trying yeah, to put yeah. it out with his actual hands. Like, yeah. what? What are you he's, doing? He's fighting Saul, like, kind of, like, almost fencing, aren't they? And uh, he's, like, patting the drapes with his hands to try and put him out. Like, you see a couple of times when, like, um, Melvin Douglas is kind of, like, wincing away from the fire. Like, a couple of times he's like, oh, hang Like, that's actually quite hot. Like, you can see a couple of times he's, like, reacting to it. Fucking crazy. Uh, yeah, they yeah, so fight and they take a the tumble off the top of the banister, don't they? Onto the floor. Yeah, they absolutely telegraph that that's going to break. They really do make a point that that uh, banister's broken before it breaks fully. Um, and yeah, they came tumbling down and they both crash out. And at that point, everyone else runs into the room. Um, I really remember that Charles Lalton is very concerned that, that the beef's on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of the first things he said. It's like, what's the beef doing on the floor or something? Or who's ruined the beef or something? Um, then Morgan. I don't know. If, are they still fighting? I don't know. But Morgan comes back. And then when he, when he realised Saul is um, injured. We just well, he that? just picks him up and carries him up the stairs, doesn't he? Back yeah, to he just room. picks him up kind of sobbing and like wailing a little bit and like carries him off screen. And that's the last we see of both of those characters. <laughs> that's it. Um, you get a whole Frankenstein callback, which is clearly a Frankenstein callback. So hang on, reading think- Wikipedia, it does say Roger uh, Saul is killed and Roger is injured. So I'm assuming then that Saul is killed. Okay. Um, yeah, I can go for that. Yeah. So you get the whole because um, Lillian Bond does a whole he's alive um, yeah. right right to the camera when they realise that Roger hasn't died and uh, and then it kind of just cuts to morning really um, they're all waking up I really like Charles Lawton he's been sitting there all night guarding yeah with he's got so a he's, big he's got a big fire poker a, like as his like a fire poker staff. thing he's got like a kind of like something wrapped around him that looks like a cape yeah stuff. Um, I just love that little he shot is fast asleep like he... though he's not like he's awake yeah, though he, is. No. he tried he tried his best and uh, the fucking brother fucking Ernest Estegert comes downstairs <laughs> like 
like the night after a party. You know, like when you have a huge party and everyone just disappears off to bed and sleep in different rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in the morning, people slowly trundle downstairs. Ernest Thesiger just does that. He just comes and trundles downstairs and he's like, oh dear, what did happen here last night? And like, who did this? Like pointing to the table, knocked off. But really, he's just like polite. He's just like, um, oh, it's lovely that the sun's out. (laughs) (laughs) And then basically says, I guess you'll be off then. That's really it. He just kind of finishes that quickly. Yeah, it's, I love, I do love how these old films, they literally just end and that's it. It's like, you know, nowadays would have like about 15 wrap-up points for each character or, you know. But, yeah, I think Gladys and William, no, Gladys and Roger kiss, I think. Well, it. doesn't doesn't he propose to her at that point? Oh, he does propose, yeah. he does propose, yeah. He propose yeah. and they kiss and they, yeah, end of the film. Nice ending. Yeah. That really is it. That's a, it's not much to this film. It's it really kind of isn't. it's a nice little far. It's like I guess it's you could call it farce as well. It's sure, you know. It's it's like it's it's just enjoyable. I w- I wouldn't say it blew my mind. I I I appreciated the cinematography and the use of sound more yeah, than anything. Absolutely, and it's got good performances in it. But yeah, like the story is it was a bit lacking for for me. But like, but I still enjoyed it. I, I didn't hate. It my 72 minutes of time that I put into watching it with my dog. I had a very enjoyable time. Yeah, I did. It, to, to the point that it was difficult knowing how to rate it because I just really enjoyed myself. I had fun time with it. I, um, I could, When I it could... finished, I was like, that was fun. You know, like that was a really fun little weird film. Plus all the kind of like, <coughs> not the social stuff so much, but the history and context of that film is really interesting to me. That, like, yeah. And that makes it, kind of a little fascinating little piece i think it's i i could easily watch it again and put it on in the background or whatever you know mm. yeah i mean I, I would really... you suggest it to other people to watch is that as yeah, well yeah definitely it... i think so you know it's like it's like as you said it was like a little forgotten gem that only more i wouldn't say more recently but from the 60s kind of started to get reappraised and um yeah rightfully so because it's a it's a well-made little little film yeah it's just it it's not good it's like, not gonna it's not gonna blow your mind i don't think but it's like for the time for like 1932 you know it looks it looks great it's got good sound uh really fun performances interesting characters yeah and yeah. it's 72 minutes and what more could you want <laughs> <laughs> i agree i think and and just in the whole kind of like bringing like James Whale as a character this perfectly sits into any kind of filmography and watch you know this is definitely worth seeking out there especially if you love horror yeah. um this this film this feels like a fascinating little block of kind of horror history I think for especially for Hollywood Agreed. I really liked it I really liked it it was yeah. um it's not sometimes on this podcast we cover like absolute um bona fide fucking like like kind of canon good films and then yeah, which we should have seen by this point <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah sure this... and sometimes we find weird little guess old old cult stuff and this was yeah like in the second like this and wonder or things like that mm. that are kind of you know look wonder again was like a film that was completely forgotten about until yeah yeah like until fairly recently it was like rediscovered and reappraised and stuff so yeah no i really enjoyed it so um what are we talking about next time 
That's a really good question. Oh, I tell you what, you're going to like this because okay. this film is also about 70 minutes long. Hey. <laughs> I I don't know much about these guys. This is embarrassing. My dad adores these guys. Um and I only know it through that. But we're going to cover the Marx Brothers duck soup. Oh, brilliant. See, like yeah, the Marx Brothers I I don't really know much about them other than like old cartoons like i think we were talking about last week you know uh what's yeah, his sure. name from from m um yeah. you know the marx brothers were done to death in like animaniacs or looney tunes and things like that and yeah i know uh, groucho exactly knows, yeah knows, i know the nose the, and the mustache and, i know the glasses i know the cigar cigar i know his famous lines you know like um you know was it i i wouldn't want to be a member of a club with of someone who would want me as one or something butchered that fucking thing but <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really i definitely my dad loves the march brothers they would be on tv when i was young i've probably seen this when i was young you know yeah. i probably have sat through this when i was like you know six eight or something i don't think i remember this at all so i'm really really fascinated to watch it i think it'd see be really like fun. i was deaf i i knew the three stooges more so and like Lauren Hardy, I guess, could you kind of equate mm. them as a similar kind of thing? Like Lauren Hardy was sure. played a lot when I was growing up. But yeah, I've not I've not seen anything with the Marx Brothers, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I am too. Cool. Right then. Well, thank you very much for listening, and uh, please don't forget you can uh, subscribe to us on uh, whatever you listen to us on, be that Spotify, iTunes. All that kind of good stuff. Uh, is iTunes a thing? I always say that. Is it Apple Music these <laughs> I don't days? I think it is. I think it's dead. Yeah. Uh, you can reach out to us. We're on Hive. We're not on Hive. Are we on Mastodon? Is it Mastodon? Or is it Mammoth? We're not. We're not on Mastodon. No, we're on Twitter. Uh, you can reach out Did to us there. Did you see that there was an article that we asked the metal band Mastodon what they thought of the social media site Mastodon? What did they say? <laughs> I didn't read it. I just saw that. <laughs> I bet you they haven't got at Mastodon. Someone probably got that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so you can reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Adjust Your Tracking with a YR, not a your. Uh, How do I end this again? (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. If the picture's bad, always adjust your tracking.